Hello and welcome to another episode of Grumpy Old Gay Men and Their Dogs. It is day 124 on the Gregorian calendar here in the Zen Room. My name is Patrick Finn and I'm here with the effluviant Tommy Gibbons. Hello, bitches. <laughs> How are you today, Tom? I, I'm not looking forward to this. No, you're not. No, Why? No, because it's such a horrible day. <laughs> it's such a horrible day? It is a horrible day. Why is it a horrible day? You'll see. Go oh, ahead. okay. You'll, you'll see. And for any fellow Discordians out there, it's Prickle Prickle, day 51 in the year of Our Lady of Discord, 3188. Yesterday was Disco Flux. Oh, it's a high I'm, holy day of the season of Discord. I used to go there. Really? Disco Flux, yeah. <laughs> it was nice. It was nice. They had good bartenders. Mm. The cover was high on the Saturday, but it was nice. Disco Flux, yeah. It was nice. I liked it. And did you have a good weekend? I worked like I normally do on the weekends. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was uh, a highlight. Okay. I didn't. What'd you do? I suffered through anxiety attacks all weekend. I bet that was fun for everybody around you. No, it was not, especially for me. For those of you who are not aware, I've been dealing with anxiety attacks since about 2019. Probably short, sometime after my my heart surgery and everything. He's a newbie. Yeah, but I would get these attacks like sporadically. They would happen... It wouldn't happen for a while, then it would happen again, but they were all sporadic. And then three months ago, I had like three attacks in like a 36-hour period. And then this past Saturday, I had six attacks in one day. Jesus. One woke me up at six in the morning. That was the first one. And then I had the last one was at nine o'clock at night watching TV, just sitting there watching TV, and hit me again. All right. So how do you feel now? Well, I saw my doctor. I was already scheduled for a checkup with my doctor, and I explained what was going on. And he prescribed some medication for me, which will act as a preventative for these anxiety attacks. Okay. But it seems like I'm not the only one going through this. Oh. From what my doctor no. told me, and from what I've been hearing and reading on social media, many people are going through this. I mean, I wish I had knew. I said, my doctor asked me, what's making you anxious? I'm like, my health. But I said, that's really about it, you know? It's, I'm not like I have any, like, heavy pressures or problems like that. Everything's generally good. So it's, I don't know, it's something deep in my head. But whatever it is, I'm, I'm getting medication for it. You're just fucked up like the rest of us. Yeah, I guess so. Just another, another nutcase. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I got the anxiety medication going back years. Really? Years. Oh, okay. Long this time. is a whole new thing for me. Uh, yeah, it, it, about, it never gets better. Okay, no, I guess not. I, I guess it, I don't know if this is an aging thing or just the times we live in. Well, aging sucks, you know. Oh, so I don't mind getting aging. older. It's the aging thing that sucks. <laughs> okay. Well, and by aging, you mean like your body rotting away? Yes, as opposed to just getting a year older and Every another year, year older. You right, know? right, right, right. I don't mind getting older. I like getting older. But this whole aging thing that goes with it really sucks. Yeah, everything that happens underneath <laughs> your head. <laughs> Actually, on your head, too. Yeah, there's no escaping it. There's no, yeah, yeah, it just sucks. <laughs> we will now move on to our first segment of the evening, which, of course, is... Dogs. Heavy petting. Dogs. And tonight's topic is, is your dog what you think it is? What kind of dog breed is uh, Louie? Louie is meant to be... Okay. A Kavapoo. Okay. Which is a designer mutt. Right. Cavalier King Charles Spaniel, which is as pretentious a name for a dog as I've ever heard. Right. It's a dog breed. Yes. And a poodle. Okay. 
So it's got that Spaniel Poodle mix. Does he show any, like, typical characteristics of the Spaniel or the Poodle at all? Yes, he's incredibly smart. Really? Okay. He, 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 a lot of the uh, a lot of the poodle, a lot of the hunting. Well, spaniels are hunters too, but he he looks like the spaniel. Okay. You know the big floppy leathery ears yeah. and the short legs and the tail with the white tip. And I, I I don't know what difference any of this makes. Well, I'll tell you why. It was a new study recently pu- published in the journal Science that found that. While a dog's physical traits are clearly inherited, its breed is not a predictor of a dog's personality. Okay. And that many stereotypes we hold about certain breeds are not supported by the science. Such as? Well, they said that basically this was like the largest study of its kind. They surveyed more than 18,000 dog owners and analyzed the genomes of over 2,100 of their dogs to look for patterns. And they found that some behaviors, like howling, pointing, showing friendliness to people... That has some genetic basis, but they said that isn't necessarily strictly passed down along breed lines. They said, for example, they found golden retrievers that don't retrieve. That don't retrieve. They said that, yes, there are huskies and beagles that have a greater tendency to howl, but there are many of them that don't howl at all. So they basically said that, you know, just because a dog is a certain breed, don't think it's going to necessarily act a certain way. A dog will develop its own personality independent of that. Just like children, unfortunately. Yes. Yes. Uh, but on the other hand, I think that everything a dog, any dog can do, right? all dogs can do. Now, you got to make an exception with the pug-nosed dogs. Right. Because they shouldn't even be around. Well, yeah, that's a whole physical limitation they yeah. have. But every, like they can all fetch. Yes, they can. They can all swim. They can all hunt. Right. They could all, you know, gather. They could all you know, herd animals if they wanted to. Well, it's like I, mean, I have Abigail. She's a can terrier. Now, she's her breed is mostly known as being like rat catchers, you know, rodent chasers and stuff. And to an extent, she does that. I mean, she, she, she goes after squirrels. Cats, she leaves alone. Birds, sometimes she goes after but squirrels, boom, she's right there on them. But she acts more like a guard dog than a hunting dog. When we let her out in the yard, she, like, patrols the perimeter of the yard right. to see what's there. And they all do that. When she's inside, she's looking out the window, seeing who's coming by, warning us of other dogs in the area. I, I think they all do that, too. Yeah, I, I guess they do, you they, know? You know, they all, they all bark at everything that moves outside when they're inside. Yep. I think there's a couple of different things around that. I think it's really, it's really easy to feel big and strong and wonderful when you're on the other side of a pane of glass. From yeah, that, exactly. You know, well, that's Abigail. She's very brave behind inside the house exactly you put her outside the dog and she's as the king walks in front of her (laughs) yeah she's a vicious beast Uh, also i think a lot of it has to do with they're not even like who 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 are they making that sound for is it to warn off the other dog or is it to warn the rest of the pack that there's an issue here that we need to confront right so uh, and i don't know and from one dog to i mean he has different barks, just like Abigail has different barks. Yep. She wants different things, then there are different barks. And But I haven't differentiated when he sits at the window and barks who he's barking at for. Or exactly. for, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're just weird. And he's getting weird. Like, for the past two nights, what our, our habit is that yes. when I come home at night, either from a rehearsal or whatever it is, it's usually, it's never earlier than, like, 10 o'clock. So when I come home... 
I open the door and put him on the leash and off we go. Now we live upstairs. So he's usually waiting for me at the top of the stairs. I okay. come home and he comes down and he, he there's this dance about him getting on the collar anyway. And then he, last two nights, night before last, come on, let's go out. He stood up, he looked at me, he yawned, he stretched and he went back to under the bed. Last night, he didn't even meet me at the stairs. He was just <laughs> under the bed. I sat, I tried to get him to come out. He would not come out from his spot under the bed. So, eventually, I felt like a fucking idiot. I know. I know. What am I doing? I go through the same ritual every day for her first walk of the day. Because I spend the day here in the Zen rooms, Stephen's in the den in his office space across the house. And every day around 1230 or so, I go get ready, get her leash out. And she goes running inside to him to go hide under a table or something. And then he's got to coax her out of the den to go up on the couch so we can put the harness on her. Like, giving us a hard time the whole time. But then when she has the harness on her, boom, boom, she wants to go out. Let's go, uh, let's go. <laughs> Louis hates his collar, so that he's never really that excited. He, he hates to put it on and he hates when it's on. But it was the not me. I was I, I was kind of insulted, man. He fucking me in the, like... One of the, oh, I love a dog because there's always somebody happy to greet you when you came home. This yeah. motherfucker was hiding under the bed. Oh, uh, no. Because he didn't want to go out. And I'm thinking, I had two thoughts. First of all, so he doesn't want to go out. What the fuck is the big deal? Right. The second thought is, he knows he's supposed to go out. He knows I want him to come out and he's resisting me. And the dog can never win. Yeah. So what do I do? Right. Right. With, I took off my shoes. He <laughs> don't want to go out. He don't want to go out. No, can't blame him for that. And I can't blame him for that. But should I have reached down, grabbed him by the collar, pulled him out? Now he would have gone for me. He would have right. at least growled for me and showed his teeth, and he would have been to stop me from doing yeah. it. But I could, I could have physically pulled him and and made him go out. I know, but you don't want you don't want to have to do that. You know, I, I don't. I don't want to have to do anything. But sometimes you have to, to be perfectly you know? honest. But I couldn't decide what I should do. I, mean, I know. Yeah, it's just you know, I'm tired and I'm human, and but I know that that dog now thinks he won. Of course, of course he does. And because he won. <laughs> and now you know the relationship is taking a shift. Oh no. To be continued. I still have control of the food, so. <laughs> oh, that's a major. Pro- that's a major uh, point on your side. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, you know, he loves me that way. Going back to that study, one of the last things they found was that there was no genetic basi- basis for a dog's aggressive behavior nor a link to specific breeds. I I think that's true. I think well, you have to train a dog to kill. Well, that's all. I mean, when people talk about pit bulls. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, oh, it's an aggressive breed. You know, they're hard, hard. No, no, they're not. They're taught to be that way. Yeah. They're taught to be that way. Remember, Petey from the Little Rascals was a pit bull. Yeah. And I didn't see him chewing down Alfalfa's hand. Well, the, uh, that's, show, not, you know? that's sort of an unfair sort of. I mean, they could have cut that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I firmly believe. Now, there, there are dogs that are more intimidating for sure. They oh, are there more. They, they take to the aggression to being aggressive. I think, I, think, more I think German Shepherds people are intimidated by. Absolutely. And there are some I know that are absolute sweethearts, and there are others that I've seen that are terrors, but Wait. they're usually like guard dogs that are fa- at some, in some yard of a factory or exactly. a store or whatever, if, if you, you know? leave, If you leave any dog outside to guard the... To, to, you oh, know, the gonna, a, that's what they're going to do. Yeah, right? So, uh, it's a, it's so much about... Now, are there... You know, there are serial killer humans. There are serial killer mammals. Yes, there are. All mammals... Any mammal can have a serial killer. 
And dogs can have serial killers. They can be <laughs> serial killer dogs. Of course, most of the dogs who are the serial Boston killers... Terry, the Boston Terrier Strangler. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Oh, that now this, this could lead to something here. Yeah, that's funny. I'm thinking that the, the one dog breed who I would think would have the most serial killers yeah. is the Chihuahua. Of course. That little They're bitch. tiny, no? Oh, they my get God. out of the place? They're horrible. <laughs> They're not horrible, but... but Actually, I like Chihuahuas. Put some glasses on that motherfucker. You know, I, I, when they shake at you like that, I, you know, it does, I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm always afraid to step on them. I step on Louis 40 pounds. Although, I don't move, they move fast, Chihuahuas. Don't worry. Yeah, I, I do. <laughs> we now move on to our next segment of the evening. Today's birthday. birthdays. Okay, May 5th is the birthday of Mexico. Well, today's May 4th, so don't worry about May 5th yet. Oh. Today's only May 4th, so, it's I, so it's not, we're not going to talk about Cinco de Mayo today. Anyway, last month, as you know, we were observing Jazz Appreciation Month with That's our true. daily postings on Facebook and Twitter. Where you revealed that singers are not musicians. And oddly, well, it wasn't there have jazz been parades. Well, it wasn't jazz musicians house. month. It was Jazz Appreciation Month, so singers and musicians were allowed. No. When you asked me to name my five favorite jazz mu- musicians, musicians, and I said singers. Yes, and I said singers said are not musicians. Yeah, I can't believe you keep saying it. I Don't give me that. Well, the voice is an instrument. I can't believe you keep saying Sorry, it. Sorry, I'm putting them in separate categories. Okay. Sorry. All right, so now we're going to do this one. Well, we'll get to that soon enough, but... This month, of course, it's it's Jewish American Heritage Month. All right, the Jews. Yes. So we'll be celebrating Jewish Americans this month. Okay, who you got? And today, it's the birthday of a Jewish American. Which one? She's an opera singer. She was born Roberta Peterman on May 4th, 1930 in the Bronx. Oh, this is, uh, I want to say Shelley Wintis, but I know it's wrong. Nope. She began voice training at age 13 while also learning French, German, and Italian. She kind of looks like... Shelly Winters, though, doesn't she? No, she doesn't. This she, woman. You know, no, she was gorgeous looking, I thought. Go ahead. She auditioned. Sorry, Shelly. We didn't mean to say that you were like a dog. No, not at all. Shelly uh, Winters is actually a very good looking woman when she was young. Okay, keep going. Anyway, this birthday celebrant, she auditioned for the general manager of the Metropolitan Opera, Rudolf Bing, and she was accepted. She was scheduled to make her debut in 1951 as the Queen of the Night in Mozart's The Magic Flute. Okay, so so I know exactly who this is. I can't remember her name. Okay. But I will tell you this. When okay. we were in school, yes. as a field trip, yes. we took a tour of okay. Lincoln Center. Huh, very okay. nice. Very nice. Right? And... And at the time when we went into the New York State Theater and we were walking across the third or fourth tier upstairs in the fucking, uh, there was a rehearsal going on with this woman. Yep. And a, and a, another single uh, actress. Right. Okay. So so she did, they were rehearsing. I don't know in what in what relationship they had director, coach, cast member. I don't know what, but I was told that these people, and it was this woman. Okay. I know it was this one. Okay, I'll, I'll t- tell you some more about Is her. She, well, she may not be dead. Well, I said she was supposed to make her debut in 1951, but on November 17th, 1950, she was asked to fill in at the last minute in a role in Mozart's Don Giovanni. Oh, for fuck's sake. She knew the role, but she had never performed on stage before, okay. and she had never sung with a full orchestra. Oh. 
But she went on, her performance was received enthusiastically, and her career was established. What the fuck is her name? She continued performing at the Metropolitan Opera until her farewell performance in Verdi's Rigoletto in 1985. I never trusted him. <laughs> Who, Rigoletto? Rigoletto. <laughs> That's a whole other story. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> During our opera segment, we can discuss Rigoletto. Okay, all right. <laughs> Good, because I got shit to say. Okay. Are you a pasta? What are you, Rigoletto? <laughs> anyway, she continued pe- performing after past 1985. She was also very popular on TV. Are you sure it's not Shelley Winters? It's not Shelley Winters. She appeared on the Ed Sullivan Show a record 65 times, no, the most sake. of anyone else. Well, she never left New York, for God's sake. Right. She was briefly married to baritone Robert Merrill, but they divorced. She later admitted that she fell in love with the voice and not the man. Didn't didn't Carol Burnett marry him? Carol Burnett? No. Bob Merrill? No, not Ro- No, that's Bob Merrill. That's a different person. That's not Robert Merrill. Robert Merrill was, was an opera singer. Bob Merrill isn't Robert Merrill. No, two different people. Okay. Two different people. You see where I got caught up in that? Yes, I did. Okay. But she later married a man named Bertram Fields in 1955 and had two sons. She was awarded the National Medal of the Arts in 1998, and she died of Parkinson's disease at age 86 uh, in 2017. Her name is Roberta Peters. No, not who I thought it was. <laughs> who did you think it was? I don't know. I can't think of their names. I don't know. Would you like to hear a piece of her music? A piece of her singing? Yeah, sure. This is from, actually, her playing the Queen of the Night in the Magic Flute. Okay. What the fuck was so magical about that flute, though? Well, it's a whole magical tale. It's a whole fairy tale. Okay. thinking of every time I hear that. That's beautiful. Though. I it's really beautiful. Is. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. Costume beautiful, stage beautiful. Right. Uh, ah, 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 ah. Okay, what am I thinking of the the story about the, the the and I saw it. Okay. The woman who couldn't sing, Meryl Street played her in the movie. Everybody told her she could sing. Oh. Um, I know you're talking about. I can't think of the woman's name. She did the Florence Jenker Hankins. Uh Florence Foster Jenkins. 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 Florence Foster Jenkins. Well, Lawrence Foster Jenkins. Yep. Good movie. X, did you see the movie? I didn't see the movie. Oh, I saw, I saw it live on stage. I can't remember who fuck played her. It's a wonderful movie. Oh my god, just wonderful. Who the fuck played her on Broadway? But anyway, that was. Oh, let me show you another clip of Roberta Peters. You I might was, remember this I, one I, I from the night, This Florida. is from a 1981 commercial she did. Oh, okay. I was alive. Do you know me? No, what is fuck? I'm Oscar in a masked ball. I'm Norina in Don Pasquale. Yeah, I know. I'm Violetta in La Traviata. But for my most important role, me, I carry this. The American, American Express, Express card. card says all that need be said, so I can save my voice for times when it counts. Taxi! 
I remember. I remember that campaign. I don't remember that particular uh, commercial. I had to look that up. Ridiculous. (laughs) But yes, happy birthday to the late Roberta Peters. Yeah, thanks, Bobby. Right. Our next birthday celebrant is also dead. Thank God. Not Jewish. This one. Why not? Because I thought he was too important a birthday to overlook. Oh. So. Wow, this is impressive. Yes. Should I sit up? He was born in Pennsylvania, the son of an engineer and amateur cartoonist, and he soon became interested in art at an early age. Well, it's got you got to you, Charles Schultz is the first thing that's up. Well, his early influences were Disney, Looney Tunes, Dr. Seuss, and Charles Schultz. In 1978, he moved to New York City's Lower East Side and studied at the School of Visual Arts while working as a busboy at Danceteria. Do you remember Danceteria? Uh, yeah, I'm thinking, did I sleep with this guy? <laughs> <laughs> Anything's possible. I went through a couple of busboys in Danceteria. Anyway, he, he began studying semiotics at that time. Which I don't is know stu- what that is. It's the study of signs and their processes and how they're used in communication. Like signs? Like don't park here? Like and all kinds of signs. Signs, okay. Yep. And he also experimented with video and performance art and became influenced by the writings of William S. Burroughs. Are uh, you talking about... Go ahead. In 1980, he began his graffiti art in the New York oh, City subway. Oh, oh, Keith Haring. Keith Haring is correct. Cur- I'm sorry, correct. Correct. Hey, try again. But yes, but in the subways where he created his white chalk drawings on black unused billboard space. Yeah, I, I seriously considered if I ever get my first tattoo, that one would be Keith Haring. Okay. Well, his most recognized symbol, of course, is the radiant baby. Yes. It's the figure with the, supposed the light beams right. coming off of him. Right, right, right. There was a lot of that that, that denoted the, the movement or yeah. energy. Yes, yeah. that was a big thing his, about about how art should have movement in it. That's yeah. how he signified it. Yeah, I enjoy it. it I love it. Looks, it looks like very simple stick figure drawings. And, and I suppose if you boiled it right down, that's exactly what they are. But... It's um, more than that. It's, it is more than that. It's a lot more than that. It's using that as a language. Well, that's exactly what he did. That's what that's where the semiotics come in. Right. How okay. he uses these symbols or signs as language. But by 1984, people were stealing his work from the subway stations. Well, yeah, because it was fucking brilliant. In 1981, he had his first solo exhibition in Tribeca. And in 1982, he created his first outdoor mural on the Houston Bowery Wall on the Lower East Side. All right. It was pretty amazing looking. It's, okay. it's replaced all the time now by different artists. So what happened to him? Well, he was known to paint 40 paintings a day, and they were quite bold in their depiction and celebration of same-sex love. He produced more than 50 public artworks between 1982 and 89. Many of them he created voluntarily for hospitals, daycare centers, and schools. He used his art to promote safe sex, AIDS awareness, and addressed the crack epidemic and apartheid. His work literally appears all over the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know why? Because everybody can understand what it means. Yes, exactly. It's that sign thing you were talking about. Yeah, the semiotics. I suppose the idea is, what is the one sign that everybody in the world, no matter where you... Everybody in the world would recognize correctly. Right. What is that one sign? Yeah. Anyway, he died of age-related complications in 1990 at the age of 31. Jesus. The Whitney Museum held a retrospective of his work in 1997. In 2019, he was one of the first 50 American pioneers, trailblazers, and heroes inducted on the National LGBTQ Wall of Honor in the Stonewall National Monument in New York City's Stonewall Inn. I've never been there. 
You've never been to the Stonewall? Of course I've been to the Stonewall. Oh, I've okay. never been to the exhibit. No, uh, I've never seen it actually either. I've Because I've been down the village and God knows how long. Anyway, before he died, Herring established in 1989 the Keith Herring Foundation, which provided funding and imagery to AIDS organizations and children's programs. After he died, the, the foundation wanted to keep with his wishes and expanded his legacy by providing grants and funding to nonprofit organizations that educated disadvantaged youths and informed the public about HIV and AIDS. It also supports arts and educational institutions by funding exhibitions, educational programs, and publications. Damn, they must have some, some, some coin. In 2010, the foundation partnered with the AIDS Service Center of New York City to open the Keith Herring Harlem Center to provide HIV peer education and access to care services in Harlem. Ain't that some shit? That's still so that's, necessary. That's quite a legacy. That's still fucking necessary. Yeah. Keith Haring would much rather not have his name not be on that building for lack of need. I know. Of course. But anyway, yeah. how, happy birthday how, to Keith how, Haring. Um, he was 31 when he died. Yeah, when was he born? He was born in... 60, 60 62, 60... It would be, I'm sorry, 1958. Oh. Yep, 1958. All right. So, happy birthday, Keith Haring. 31 years old. Could you imagine? Could you imagine no, Keith Haring would have at 31? No, right? Where would he be at 50? I know, right? Imagine the work he could have done. Bosky out another one. Where would he be? Yeah. There? You know? Jonathan Loves? All these artists who died young. Well, you take them all from the 80s. Take the yeah, fa- the well, fashion, that's it. You, I mean, they're all... You take the fashions, you wipe out a between, complete generation between of Between AIDS and drugs in the 80s... The gay creativity is gone. They're, they, it doesn't exist in that whole... What those careers could have been. Yeah. Right now, right? It's a shame. Oh, Michael Bennett. Could you imagine? Jesus. Yes. Right. Like Arthur Lawrence on speed. <laughs> all right, six people got that joke. Go ahead. My life is so isolated. We now move on to our next segment, which is Today in History. Okay, Cinco de Mayo. And today, though, today is May 4th. Cuatro de Mayo. But today... Oh, yes, because it's been... Okay, people. People of the world. People on six continents, 14 countries, and uh, Alabama. Okay. The very first time you see a, uh, a May the 4th be with you meme post, whatever it is, roll across your social media, you are not required to contribute a similar but a little funkier. <laughs> I was going a, to get to that under, I could kill well, under our what day is it segment. Because, no, may, uh, may the, may, I can't even say it. May, may the, fourth the fourth be with you. I mean... It's, it's a, like Elmer Fudd saying It's a Lisper's nightmare. <laughs> or it's, Sylvester. It's, whoever, whoever named Superstorm Thandy. <laughs> yeah, I can't stand this May 4th thing. And you had mentioned something a couple of weeks ago about a, a, a beginning day. Oh, oh, God, the beginning of when Star Trek. Well, no, there was First Contact Day. Yes. About the fictional day of when they made contacts with the first alien race, which was the Vulcans. This after is the, the fir- after the first warp drive flight. Okay, so you're talking about Star Trek. Yes, yeah. I'm Star Trek. So this is Star Wars? This is Star Wars. Same thing. This is the May, <laughs> May the 4th be with you uh, version of that. It's the same thing. It's okay. a made-up thing. It's stupid. Well, and it's endless. We'll, we'll discuss it a little more in a bit. Everybody has a more creative version of it. But first. 
Where's this cover today in history? Look at my child dressed as Darth Vader. <laughs> today we are observing the 586th anniversary of the assassination of the Swedish national hero Engelbrecht Engelbrechtson. Now here's a problem on Engelbrecht Day. I'm never sure what kind of what what, what kind of fish I'm supposed to. Make. <laughs> Does it have to be salmon, or could I use the whitefish? I think you can be experimental and go with the whitefish. Because I know people get really serious about their day. About, their day, en about Engelbrecht, Engel Engelbrechtson? Engelbrecht day, yeah. Would you like to know who Engelbrecht Engelbrechtson was? I gotta say, you want the truth? Yeah. <laughs> he was a Swedish nobleman of German ancestry. You're lying. And he was the leader of the Engelbrecht Rebellion in 1434. Because who else would they name it after? Right? But, 1834? But Engelbrecht Engelbrechtson. 1834. 1434. 1434. So, okay. Yes. And he was leading this rebellion against the king of what was called the Kalmar Union, which was a union of Sweden, Norway, and Denmark under the king named Eric of Pomerania. I love Eric. But Engelbrecht, he was a mine owner, and okay. he was dissatisfied with the what high kind taxes. Of mines? Uh, I don't know. It didn't specify in the uh, records. You know what? Oil, diamond, probably, probably gas. Coal, probably coal back then. Coal. I can uh, see, you know. Okay. But anyway, he was not happy with the high taxation being Nobody imposed is. by the king. Nor was he happy uh, with the treatment of the Swedish people by the Danes. Because the Danes were the predominant people over Sweden at that time. And you know how rough and tumble those fucking Danes are, Damn man. Right. They'll kick your ass soon as look at you. <laughs> Danes. So in 1434, he Call led a rebellion me. of mine workers and peasants that lasted until his death in 1436. What did he die of? He was killed by an aristocrat over a legal dispute. However, the king eventually convent, uh, consented to some of the rebels' demands, including that the Danish forces leave Sweden, and it set a precedent for, pe for peasants to take part in Swedish politics, marking the beginnings of a democratic foundation in Sweden and the so-called Swedish Awakening. I love Sweden. I love that whole area, that whole <laughs> Finland, Sweden, Norway. The only reason I brought this up, because I just love saying Engelbrecht, Engelbrecht. Yeah, I know. I know you're, yeah. <laughs> I was tell but while we're focused on that part of the world... They are very beautiful people. They are beautiful people. Right? These pe I mean, the Russians, the Ukrainians, that whole... Eastern European up until it gets really fucking cold up at there. Yeah, but these are Northern Europe, real Northern Europe. Real Europeans, Northern Europe, you know. I mean, these are like, and they're beautiful. They're, they're, they're I would love to go there, to but I, I hate, I hate the cold. But I'm trying to think of the reasons I hate. Well, it's the not cold. always cold there. It's yeah, not like it you're in Arctic. No, it's not. It's yeah, not it always is. Arctic temperatures there. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it is. It, it, no, it really is. You, you, need, to to look, you need to look more into the climate of Scandinavia, I okay, think. Okay, yeah, that's... It's not, it's not the Arctic tundra that you think it is. I'll do that on my way home. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> While I'm driving. And also today in history, <sighs> yeah, uh, sort of a tragic anniversary. The Spanish. On May 4th, 1970. Oh, I was there. Four students and nine. Four students were killed and nine were wounded. Is this the California at Kent, State thing? Kent State University in Ohio? Ohio. That's what I were, said. When they were fired upon by the Ohio I National Guard, National Guard. Yeah, yeah, took place yeah. at a during a peace rally, which exposed the expansion of the Vietnam War into Cambodia by that's the United the, States. That's the girl in the dark dress standing, uh, kneeling over the body of somebody. That's correct. That's, that's, okay, a, that's yeah. the that's iconic the image. image from the, from that day. Right, right, right. 
This incident marked the first time that, uh, I, uh, that students have been killed in an anti-war gathering in U.S. history. 28 National Guard soldiers fired approximately 67 rounds over a period of 13 seconds. Students Allison Beth Krause, age 19, Jeffrey Miller, age 20, Sandra Schuer, age 20, and William Schroeder, age 19, all died as a result. Ain't that some shit? Two of them were among the 300 students who had gathered to protest the Cambodian campaign. So they came to... Two of them were in the crowd watching the protest 300 feet from the firing line. Ain't that... Ain't that crazy? First of all, you got 300 people. You got, you got how many National Guards come? Twenty. There were 28 there. 28 National Guards and 300 people all in one tiny little space, and they only shot four of them. Well, w- wounded nine shot four and killed four. I'm just saying that's a different way of looking at the whole day, I suppose. Well, like I said, you can look at it both ways because this, this had been building up at this point, I think, over several days to where this confrontation happened. Does it say how many people were at the protest? It said about it said about three hundred students who had gathered to protest. So the the, the and then there were hundreds more who were watching the protest with the National Guard. Right. All right. This is crazy. It's just it, it. well, after the shooting happened, basically there was massive outrage and protests. More than four million students participated in walkouts at hundreds of universities, colleges, and high schools. What do you it was think the largest want? student strike in U.S. history. What do you think their point was? Did they want something, or were they just saying you can't? Like what? Or we're mad at you for doing this? But, well, uh, this is this is this was what 1970. We're talking about during the Vietnam War. They've been protesting the war all through the 60s. So protesting is part of the the culture now. Well, it, it, well, that's where it basically was that time during the 50s. You didn't see that. You saw right. that protest, but not on the scale that you saw it in the 1960s. Once Vietnam took, pro- in my head, right? Vietnam was only the birth of the... Pro- now, that's not to say... Uh, no, that's completely wrong. Because the protests go back to the fucking Tea Party and the the, the women marching up with things across that thing and Martin Luther King. So I'm completely wrong. Those are all different... Yeah, they're all But different. what I'm talking about is the, the level of protest. How much protest right. is part of the culture? Well, back then in the 60s, it was quite prevalent. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, it was quite prevalent. And that's why you had this whole generational gap going on. And, it's, and coming out of that, now you have these state troopers who are shooting these college kids protesting a war. Yeah. Basically, yeah. That's that's what this culminated in. Okay. So now the world goes crazy. Yep. That's I mean, I, it's like when I was looking at all the history of everything that happened on this day in history, and I was like, there was some bad juju going around in the universe or something, man, because so much shit, actually, a lot happened today. Not all some, there was some good stuff. But a lot of bad stuff happened today. It's funny because my favorite part of Newsday used to be this day in history. Okay. And there are some days where this day in history was like quarter page. Right, yeah. And some days when it's like this day in history, we'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, you know, that's like, like that's like when I was looking at May fourth. I was like, wow. Yeah, it's crazy. That's, <laughs> that's just what it was like. It's just so weird. I figured this was a big one I had to cover. You know, day this was a big moment in American history. Let me ask you a question because yeah. I'm confused. Okay. The guy who shot from the tower, the Texas Tower, that was in like the uh, the the, uh, the serial mass shooter at the university. Yeah, that was in California. No, that was in Texas. Okay, that was in Texas. All right. So yeah. that was some rando serial killer crazy person. Oh yeah. And this thing was this was a protest. Guard. This was a political protest. It was partly against the National Guard because the National Guard were on the campus, and also I think at the time there were also students were also protesting that. 
Oh, I think like the armed forces were still doing recruitment drives on campuses right. as well. Okay, so so who and they're protesting the war still, of course, and they're protesting civil rights for blacks, for women's rights. Every it's the sixties. Everyone's protesting. Right. And for people, people who look like army men carrying guns are not what they want to see. Yeah, exactly. Who, who who where did the bullets who shot the people came from? Nine and four, right? Nine right. injured, four dead, thirteen people. Thirteen people. Where did the bullets come from? Well, from the National Guard. From the soldiers. National Guard. Yes. Okay. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you got to protest that. You got to protest that shit. Yep. They're 20 years old. <laughs> yeah. It was, a, it was a dark day in American history. It really that's was. Bad. That's bad. That's really bad. was. That's bad. And, okay, that's bad. But now moving on to what day is it? Okay. And as you've already distinctly have noted, it is Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. Yeah. Is that they call it Star Wars Day? Now it's called that, yeah. I'm it's gonna, called Star gonna, Wars I'm Day. I'm sick all over myself. The first recorded reference of this phrase was in 1979, the day after Margaret Thatcher was elected as Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. I'm Her- sorry. I have to interrupt you. Okay. Margaret Thatcher is responsible. Yes. Or may the fourth well, be with you. Her party is. The Margaret Thatcher. Because they put an ad in the London Evening News saying, May the 4th be with you, Maggie. Congratulations. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> so that was the first recorded reference in public, I guess, to it being May the 4th be with uh, you. And of course, the 5th and 6th are also referred to as either Revenge of the 5th or Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, or the six in reference oh, to no. See, now you're, just, the now you're just making fun of people with a communication problem. No, this you're is making what, fun the, of people no, who list. This is <laughs> That's what you're doing because three days in a row you're gonna you're gonna say these things with the well, well it's not my fault it's a holiday I'm just gonna say may the fourth be with you and may the fifth be with you uh, what so do you have a favorite Star Wars movie Thomas does it sound Patrick <laughs> is that a no you don't have a favorite Thomas are you Star just Wars reciting movie? the lines because they're written in front of you or are you actually paying attention to the conversation? <laughs> yeah, I'm does it sound to you <laughs> like I have a favorite Star Wars movie? Anything's possible. You, now you're JoJo. <laughs> I'm, okay. Uh, we can talk about real heroes instead of the ones from Star Wars. Today. Oh, wow. Today is International Firefighters Day. Okay. These guys are fucking crazy, man. Yes, they are. And they, it's a, they it's, deserve the recognition. Now, you talk about like dog breeds. What is it about a human being? Okay, that may, I'm going to run into that fire and I'm going to put it out. Yep, is because that's not something every human being has. No, they, no, they don't. <laughs> I do not have that kind no, of thing. I do not have those cojones to do something. No like way. That. No, it's crazy. So and, you have to uh, salute all of them for what they do. Yeah, you know. Yeah. For it's job, just a, it's, not only for the job they're doing, but for the job that they are waiting to do, you know? Well, that's the thing. It's yeah. not so much how they take it. They have to be prepared. Yeah. But this day started in 1998 after five firefighters were killed in a brush fire in Australia. They were on a truck and... I'm sorry. They it went took- into the middle of the, the red zone and the wind shifted and the truck got caught in the wind shift and... And they all died. So after that, then, they began a, an annual observance and eventually became an international day. Now. I can't believe it took until 1998, after the fire that took out Chicago and London and whatever. <laughs> Name a fuck After all the fires that these guys have... I mean, it's a but history. You also did, but you also didn't have the means of... Atlanta! Atlanta! 
They burnt the whole city. You also didn't have the means of mass communication that we have as of 1998. I don't know. I found out about Rome burning while 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 zero fucking fiddled. You know, I found out about that. No, it's crazy, Patrick. It took until 1998. Come on, somebody had to say. Somebody had to say along the way. Hey guys, did you notice what those what, what those crazy people did? Nope. Better late than never. I suppose. I suppose. And lastly, since you love to know the all the little more obscure days that are being observed, today is Bird Day. Okay, see, you're doing that on fucking purpose. Because that's the guy. Let the world know yes. that this is the kind of dick you are. You know how I feel about birds. No, I don't. You're a liar. You go back and look at episode 7, 9, 13, 17, 23, 27, and 32. Bird day. So I take it you have an antipathy towards birds. I have have an antipathy. You're not doing really well by me tonight, Patrick. I mean... You spent way too much time on Star Wars, and now you're talking about fucking birds. I don't like birds. I like birds. Birds are wonderful. They're pretty. I don't want them anywhere near me. You sound like Sheldon on Big Bang Theory. They swoop. (laughs) Now, what this is the realization, because I've said this before. There are people out there who know I've said this, and there are people who I have said this to personally. I don't like birds because they swoop. You cannot trust anything that swoops. Okay. It was re- I've been saying that for years. It was <laughs> recently that I realized that the reason people want to be birds is so they could swoop. Because I would love to be able to swoop. What about flightless birds? Chickens? No. Penguins? Ostriches? Ostriches, no. Uh, ostriches, No. No. Ostriches. Are you out of your fuck ostriches? Let them live in peace by themselves like they want to. Ostriches. Take an ostrich ride. (laughs) That should be illegal. Ostrich rides. Come on, get on the most dangerous bird who ever fucking lived. (laughs) He hates you. But he's going to love you sitting on him. Why are ostriches the most dangerous bird that ever lived? Because they hate everybody. They do? They're awful birds. Have you spoken to them about this? I read the interview. (laughs) And I don't know who, but somebody told me. Lots of people are saying it. It works for the Republicans, and right now, it's going to work for me. I don't know who said it. It's something I heard. Ostriches. The fuck? Oh, my God. Shit. Ostriches. No way. Anyway, in today's segment of looking into my briefs. Oh, Jesus. Here I think what everyone knows what we're going to be talking about, and that is the leaked draft written by Justice Alito of the U.S. Supreme Court, in which the, the court has apparently, by a vote of five to four, overturned the judicial legal precedent of Roe v. Wade. And the companion case, which is Planned Parenthood versus Casey. Before we get into a discussion of what he wrote and what it means and what the consequences of all this are, I think, especially for the benefit of those who do not live here in the United States, to give some like background leading up to where we are today. You know the, what the truth about this is? What's that? Right now, what's going to happen? Yeah. I could take a nap. <laughs> 
You could, but I won't let you. No, but if you just woke me up when you were done, because there's nothing you're going to say I disagree with. Okay. There's nothing you're going to say that I can't add to. Well, I'm just going to tell you some of the history first a little bit before we get jump into what Alito said. Okay. You're this not... way, people have a framework to know what we're talking about. You okay. understand? Yeah, I understand. Now, before Roe v. Wade... Right before they send their dick pic. Yeah, yes, exactly. They should know Roe versus Wade. Exactly. So you have important. to listen to this before you send us a dick pic. <laughs> anyway, under common law, British common law, pre-quickening abortions were allowed. Now, what is a quickening? Well, a quickening is as soon as the, she feels the baby moving. Exactly, when they feel movement in the uterus. Then you, you, you're not allowed to do it after that. But in this country, by 1868, pre-quickening abortions were illegal in 27 out of 37 states. And the Catholic Church had nothing to say about it. Well, I'm sure they had plenty to say about they it. They didn't. Well, it was actually more the evangelical Christians who were, inv who were involved in this, probably more than the Catholic Church. What I'm saying is not that they were protesting it. It was that they. it was just common practice. It was like kind of healthcare. It was just sort of, you know, it was accepted. It was what people did before the quickening. Right. For, before. Two, for hundreds of years. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. This is like, yeah, we're talking hundreds of thousands of years. It was so common that even the Catholic Church had nothing to say about it, is what I was saying. At that time, back in exactly. those days. Yes. Right, okay. Right, right. Okay. But we're Up not talking about the last hundred Yeah, the last couple hundred years really. or so. But by 1900, every state in the United States had an anti-abortion law. And under the laws back then, rather than arresting the women who were having the abortions, they were more likely to interrogate them so they could get evidence against the people who performed the abortions. And this was basically a, a, a response to juries that were refusing to convict women prosecuted for abortion in the 19th century. <laughs> now, from 1962 to 1973, 17 states amended their laws to allow abortion in cases of rape, health risks, or fetal damage. In the states of Alaska, California, Washington State, Hawaii, New York, and in Washington, D.C., elective abortion on demand was available in those states. No questions asked. Right. Now, along comes the case of Roe v. Wade, which involved a, a woman in Texas trying to get an abortion and all the problems that ensued. Who was Wade? Was that Wade County? I'm not sure if that was the, maybe might be in the state attorney general at the time they were prosecuting, that they went against. That's what it could have been. And Roe was a fake name. Well, it was, it was Jane Roe. Jane Roe. I forget what her real name yeah, was. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the case goes before the Supreme Court eventually. The decision is written by Justice Blackman. Now, when he wrote this decision, you may not know, he had a background in uh, working at the Mayo Clinic out in California. Uh -huh. So he was. they considered him, since he had a medical background in that way, the best person maybe to deal with this. And he spent basically the summer of 73 thoroughly researching the history of abortion, the procedures involved. He basically became like an expert on it and stuff. And then he writes this decision and the decision was seven to two which found that the constitution protected a pregnant woman's liberty to choose or have an abortion without excessive government restriction i have two questions okay if there is a mayo clinic yes is there a catch-up college 
And two had to do with the last sentence you said. I don't know. You, you don't even know where you were in your script? No, you just threw me off completely. You're stupid. I think it's okay, College. I think that's fucking clever as shit. I'm trying to think of mustard something, but you took a breath too soon. Okay. Um, but anyway, in the decision, the court said that... Oh, the, did they base it on anything? With their decision that said it was cool. Did they base it on anything from the Constitution? I was about to tell you that. All right, I'm happy. I'm happy to listen the court said that the due process clause of the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution provides a right to privacy that protects a pregnant woman's right to choose whether to have an abortion. It also ruled that the right was not absolute and must be balanced against the government's interest in protecting the women's health and prenatal life. I'm sorry. Okay. There's a lot of words there. Yes. Give me a second. Okay. You can continue. Okay. I, I, I'm not convinced so far, but you can okay. continue. Now, Blackman goes on, and this is where a lot of the opposition to this decision, decision comes in. Because Only now? On, well, basically on this next part of the uh, decision. Because I'm saying the shit I heard before don't sound so solid. Well, what they're saying, well, I'll get more into it in a bit, but let me explain right, this. Right. Well, actually, let me go back to that for a second. Because okay. I said, they're base, they were basing Roe v. Wade on the right to privacy. Yeah. Now, the right to privacy was explicitly discussed in a 1965 case called Griswold v. Connecticut, which ruled that married people have a right to contraception, to birth control. And they said that that right emanated from the right to privacy, which emanated from the due process clause of the 14th Amendment of the Constitution. You know what? I feel terrible by saying this, that I would not pass a civil... a citizenship test? What is the 14th Amendment, and why do you keep saying those other words? The the, the something clause? The due process the, clause. What is due process? I mean, I understand it means you're allowed to have an attorney, you're allowed to... Uh, no, no, the due process clause basically says that you must receive the due process of clause before your life, liberty, or property can be taken from you. Okay. That's a basic summarization of it. Okay, and that, so based on the, the fact that you have to go through due process, and by due process they mean having a trial, being accused, following these rules. Yes. That's a, that's a part of it, yes. It says, like, in, in instance, when you're, arrested for, uh, when you're arrested for something, you're not just thrown in the jail. You go through a trial. You go through due process. Okay. Right. So okay. that's part so, of it. You're guaranteed a right to trial. Who is guaranteed these due process things? All American citizens under the U.S. Constitution. All American citizens and not everybody standing on American soil. Um... I don't know the exact on I'm not the constitutional scholar. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's an unfair but, question. Yes, it is. But it's a, uh, it's a point <laughs> I wanted to make. Okay. And a question I'd still like to know the answer to, quite frankly. But continue in this particular instance. So, okay. Well, so because, because uh, I don't see how privacy is taken from those things. Okay, well, I'm going to get more into that in a little bit. But first, right. let me go on with a little bit of the background history. And I, and I thought I was going to sleep. Now everybody else is Oh, sleeping. no, don't worry. They're not going to sleep during this. Now, in Roe v. Wade, what Blackman did, he set up this formula. Like I said, he basically created legislation. But he basically had to because no one else was addressing was this. You know, the law was either black or white, you know? So he did this by setting up a test of three trimesters of pregnancy. So that during the first trimester, governments could not prohibit ab- abortions at all. Okay. During the second trimester, governments could require reasonable health regulations. And during the third trimester, abortions could be prohibited entirely so long as the laws contained exceptions 
for cases when they were necessary to save the life or the health of the mother. Okay. The court classified the right to have an abortion as fundamental, which then required courts to have to evaluate challenged abortion laws under what they call the strict scrutiny standard, which is the highest level of ju judicial review in the United States legal system. You got to give me a reason and a cause why this can't happen. Yeah. Why it's you're a, a compelling reason, basically. Yeah, yeah. You got to compelling. There has to be compelling state interest okay. in, in putting in this law restricting abortion. Okay. Words. All right, I like that. Okay. Now, in 1992, another abortion case came up. It's called Planned Parenthood versus Casey. Now, this decision was a plurality decision. In other words... Twins. Well, not exactly. What had happened was there were four abortion laws being challenged. The court ended up ruling that, that three of them were upheld okay. and one was struck down. Okay. But what had happened was... Because of that, some people would say, well, I agree on this part of your decision, but I don't agree on this part of the decision. Yeah, it's a split decision. So, and one of the things that they uh, stood up for was re establishing Roe v. Wade as the law of the land. Now, what the court did is they overturned that whole trimester plan, and they went in favor of what they call a viability analysis. Oh, here's where the shit is the So, it basically allowed states to implement abortion restrictions and apply during the first trimester. It also replaced the strict scrutiny standard with what they call the undue burden standard, in which abortion restrictions would be considered unconstitutional if they were enacted for the purpose or effect of placing a substantial obstacle in the path of a woman seeking an abortion of a non-viable fetus. Did you, did you get all that? Yeah, yeah. So I they, they basically they changed, they changed the standard a bit now from yeah. the strict scrutiny down to the law cannot be an undue burden on the woman's right to an abortion. Okay, so it works better for the woman. But the court went on to say, the authors of the, the plurality opinion, that they emphasize that stare decisis, which is the, the legal phrase for basically legal precedent, that this will stand, the decision stands. Stare decisis? Stare decisis. Sorry, decisis. Stare. Stare. Decisis. Decisis. Yes. Decisis I could see as a word. Like a Greek sort of a decision. They're so, they're, they're starry, Latin. like 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 it's a nice in, night. It's spelled like stare, but it's pronounced stare decisis. Stare decisis. Yes, it's kind of hot. Latin is hot. But anyway, they said that basically law that Roe v. Wade deserves that re recognition as a standing legal precedent. They said that the Roe rule, as they called it had become subject to a kind of reliance that would lend a special hardship to the consequences of overruling and add inequity to the cost of repudiation. So here's the thing. Do you know what that means? I have no fucking idea. What that means is, is that the law now became so embedded in U.S. law and it that overruling now the law is going to create all I'll new get problems. You now. I get you. Now. Okay. Like, yeah, it's so part of the culture. It's so part of the law that you can't separate it from everything else. Right. It said that the law had not developed in such a way around Roe that left the, the that left Roe no more than a remnant of abandoned doctrine. So, in other words, like it's not like Roe became antiquated or wrong for whatever reason that it should be overruled. That's why they're saying it should be upheld still. Can we go sidebar? Yeah. You should when uh, anytime you say in other words. Okay. What comes next mm -hmm. should be where you start. Well, I feel you should hear the actual the, some of the words first before you know. I, I gotta say the legal jargon first and then explain it. There's you know? there are twelve continents listening. Okay. They don't give a fuck about about Regis Starry Agacentris. 
But anyway, and this is most important because it applies to what happened yesterday. It said that it was important for the court to stand by prior decisions, even those decisions that were found unpopular, unless there was a change in the fundamental reasoning underpinning the previous decision. Which there wasn't. Exactly. But they did anyway. Well, they bring up the example of 1954 case of Brown versus Board of Education. Now, what that case basically did was overrule the precedent of a case called Plessy versus Ferguson. You've heard of the concept of separate but equal? Yeah, I don't like it. That was the legal doctrine under Plessy versus Ferguson, in okay. which whites and non-whites had separate facilities in public and everything. Right. They didn't have to be together, but they were going to have the same thing as the other guy. Right. Everything was going to be equal. But by 1954, when this Brown case comes along, then the, the reason that, that the law was considered antiquated, out of place, against society norms. Okay. So that's why it overruled that decision. But in but this that's case, why it stand. But it, that didn't happen in with Roe v. Wade. Right. The Roe the law is still useful. It's being relied upon. It's and there's no been there's no been no change in the reasoning. Right. 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 The original decision. The, yeah. Yeah. The, the original purpose of the law has not gone away. Exactly. So now we come up to there's still women right in the world. Yeah. Well, now we're gonna get to all that. Because now we come up to what this draft decision said. Uh, you're not going to go through the whole fucking thing. No, you? I'm not going through the whole thing. There's no need to. I read all 98 pages of it yesterday so that no one else has to. When you Okay. Going on to the leaked decision. Talking all about Now, just to make clear to everyone, like I said, this that what came out yesterday was a draft. It was not a final decision. That we won't know that until late June, probably on the last day of the court session, more than likely. Thus, it's going to be a hell of a kick announcement when it's finally announced. We all pretty much knew how this court was going to rule on Roe v. Wade. That they were going to find some way that it wouldn't be hard for them to undercut or undermine the holdings of Roe v. Wade. But what we saw yesterday was a lot more brutal than I think people were expecting. <laughs> And this is where we get into what Alito actually said. Where do I start? Just wow. that one paragraph. Where do I start? It's uh, about how there's no there's no uh, specific. I'll go. Well, I'll go with the heading. What he said in the very heading of it. The Constitution makes no reference to abortion, and no such right is implicitly protected by any constitutional provision including the one on which the defenders of Roe and Casey now chiefly rely, the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment. That provision has been held to guarantee some rights that are not mentioned in the Constitution, but any such right must be deeply rooted in this nation's history and tradition and implicit in the concept of ordered liberty. Can I argue the counterpoint here for a second? Okay. All right. We talked before about how... It was just part of the culture. Like I heard, I heard today on a news thing, a, a story, like a magazine, little thing, a little snippet thing. Just thing about how uh, uh, it was part of the culture back then, and they were they were like home books and magazines that would tell you how to. They they didn't use the word abort. Okay. Okay. If they didn't want to be pregnant. There was ways back in the 18... It wasn't until really the 1920s when it became a political thing. And up until then, although people objected, it was still the kind of thing I said the Catholic Church didn't even bother inter interfering. It was just part of the thing. Okay? 
This is why I don't think it was written into a constitution at a time where it was just part of the assumed culture. This is how we take care of ourselves. We're always going to take care of ourselves like this. We, you know, we drink Gatorade before we go to bed when we're drunk. So, we, I mean, it's just... I'm going to get into explaining why... You're going to get into a lot of things. I hope I you know. have a list of chicken numbers. I'm going to get into it. Don't worry about Bitch, it. Bitch, how much time are we going to do this episode? Don't worry, don't worry. Incidentally, the episodes are too long. You're the only one complaining. I, it's it's a lot. I have to listen to two segments. <laughs> go ahead. Would you relax? Oh I, I'm upset by this whole thing. Well, let me f- go on, okay? I'm just going to get more upset, okay? Go ahead. Okay. He goes on to say that Rose defenders characterize the abortion right as similar to the rights recognized in past decisions involving matters such as intimate sexual relations, contraception, and marriage. But abortion is fundamentally different because it destroys what those decisions called fetal life and what the law now before us describes as an unborn human being. So now he's now adding this test that a right cannot be destroying potential life. That, that's uh, that's now a part of the criteria, it sounds like. Which now goes into the whole issue of contraception. Yeah, that's next. Be- which we discussed in the whole Griswold v. Connecticut case. Yeah, Griswold was right. Because it can be argued that contraception, that birth control, destroys potential life. Yep. So that's a whole issue there. Yep. He goes on then. Starry decisis, the doctrine on which Casey's controlling opinion was Stop based. drag name. Starry decisis. Come on, bitch. That is a drag name. It is now. Oh, damn it. I wish I was young and good looking. Yeah. I can still walk in heels, but who the hell wants to see a fat tomato on sticks walking heels? Go ahead. Stare decisis does not compel unending adherence to Roe's abuse of a judicial authority. Oh. Roe was egregiously wrong from the start. His, ra- his reasoning was exceptionally weak and the decision has had damaging consequences. It is time to heed the Constitution and return the issue of abortion to the people's elected representatives. The permissibility of abortion and the limitations are to be resolved like most important questions in our democracy, by citizens trying to persuade one another and then voting. Roe v. Wade expressed the quote-unquote feeling that the 14th Amendment was the provision that did the work, but its message seemed to be that abortion, that the abortion right can be found somewhere in the Constitution and that specifying its exact location was not of paramount importance. You're reading all 98 pages, aren't you? No. This is hardly it. Yeah, I know. But the it's... Casey decision did not defend this analysis and granted, grounded its decision on the theory that the right to obtain abortion is part of the quote-unquote liberty protected by the due process clause. He then goes on to cite the cases that involve the right to marry a person of a different race, the right to obtain contraception, the right to reside with relatives, the right to make decisions about the education of one's children, the right not to be sterilized without consent, the right to not undergo involuntary surgery, force administration of drugs or other procedures, the right to engage in private consensual sex acts and the right to same-sex marriage. These are all considered fundamental rights that are based on the right to privacy. But you still haven't explained how. But, well, that's the whole that's the whole thing I'm getting to, okay? Because he's basically saying that these attempts to justify abortion to a broader right to autonomy prove too much and that none of these rights have any claim to being deeply rooted in history. So what Sharper distinguishes the abortion right is basically because 
abortion affects potential life and the other rights don't. But we're going to come after the other rights anyway because nothing says we can't. He's, but yeah, basically all this wording means that they don't recognize the so-called right of privacy that emanates from the due process clause of the 14th Amendment. Now, you understand it's been 45 minutes. Yes. So you're going to have to go back for me now. The 14th Amendment, go through the thing again. Right. The three clauses. The due process clause. Due process clause. Which says that your life, liberty, or property cannot be taken away without the due process of law. Okay, so they can take your shit, but they gotta they gotta go through they gotta go through the indictment and the grand jury and the thing and the thing and the thing and the jury and the decision and it's all gotta happen. Okay, so I have trouble getting privacy, right to privacy, out of those things. What the court has said in its history is that there are certain rights that basically come under the vanguard of the right to privacy. And the court has found various places within the Constitution and the Bill of Rights where they say the right of privacy emanates. Even though it is not directly spelled out, they're saying that there's a right of privacy. I'm not. I'm not asking. For and also, the same out. way that there's a right of privacy, there are also other fundamental rights that are not spelled out in the Constitution. Marriage, for example, is considered a fundamental right, but marriage is not mentioned anywhere in the Constitution. So, how do they base the fact that it's a fundamental right in? As a constitutional, because thing? they call they refer to it as an unenumerated right that emanates from the benefits of liberty bestowed by the due process clause of the 14th Amendment. I got to tell you, for real, that's a weak-ass argument. Because I don't understand how the the, uh, due process laws guarantees me privacy. What it means is that they can't come and just do this shit to me without going through the process that, that you know, the things that they said before, look above, that you got to have the, you got to, you got to have the grand jury, you got to make the indictment, you got to first go, I got to go through the thing with the first thing with the judge with the bail here, the arraignment, I got to go through all, that's your due process okay. right that's what you're talking about all right but look let's look at another example look at the right of marriage marriage is nowhere mentioned in the constitution right yet it is considered a fundamental right okay so here's here's the thing my argument was going back that whole thing about the uh them ending pregnancies as part of the everyday medical culture right okay okay so marriage was the same thing they didn't have to write it down because it was part of the thing. Now in 1776, this other thing, this other part of this, this was it was it was not marriage, but it was it was like dental care. Okay. We don't have to write that dental care, although I wish they would have for fuck's sake. But it, it's 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 part of the. It's assumed. Right. From what they knew at that time in history, from what they were living with, from how they were brought up. This was just a thing. People got married. If a woman didn't want this baby, she did this. There was a book that gave her a home to just recipes, how to do it, that, that you didn't have to say. Because we all do it, I'm saying. Now, that's, they wrote what they wrote but with and- that as their normal. That was their normal. They assumed that everybody would always be like that. Because that was the normal. Their parents were like that. Their grandparents were okay, like that. Okay, now, just going back to the example of marriage for a second. There have been marriage laws throughout history, in American history, that place various restrictions on mar- on marriage rights. You can't marry a 14-year-old. Although exactly. you can in some places Well, now. in some places you can. But like I said, if you know, the state has to have it, because marriage is considered a, considered a fundamental right, even though it's not mentioned in the Constitution, 
it's considered a fundamental right, and the courts have, and the states have to have a compelling reason to imposing this restriction on marriage. And race was race was considered at one point of yes. a reason. Yes, and now, but now that de- because the definition of liberty has changed over history. And because black people are now citizens of the country. And if you go back into Alito's opinion, a half hour before I was already bored, you said something where he said, these things are not like abortion. These things are not enumerated. Well, that's his other criteria that he's adding is, well, even though these are all unenumerated rights, these are okay because they're not killing potential life. Oh, oh. So he's basically using... So the first criteria is... Number one, the right has to be firmly established in the nation's history and tradition. Okay. Number two, if it meets that test, then they have to ask, well, does it uh, uh, does it harm potential life? That's shady as shit. Yes, right it there. is. That is some shady shit right there. Because no, they, they never gave a fuck. A, they, how many how many people? She had seven children, but only two made it to adulthood. I mean. These people were not queasy about this kind of shit. I'm dead. I'm well, dead. In a, when you read a lot of the decision, he relies a lot on the history of anti-abortion laws. And it reminded me, it reminded me, Remember, you remember the case of Bowers versus Hardwick, in which the Supreme Court said that the state has a constitutional interest in regulating sodomy between two men? I'll never forget it. It changed right. my life. And of course, it was later overturned in a later decision, Lawrence v. Texas. But when I read, the, I read the original Bowers decision. It was written by Byron White, and he went through the whole history of sodomy laws. Okay. And that's what I was felt like I was reading Alito's draft decision. When he went through the whole history of anti-abortion laws and why, why, you know, why they were passing this, and, and it was just like, he, and he just totally spit on black men's historical analysis of, of abortion laws. He just looked at it from you know, from his perspective, you know. And Alito just wants to leave everything up to the states and the people. You know, this is an issue that the people should be voting on. He I agree for, with that. Well, the problem is, this, you know, the, the Supreme Court was designed to protect the rights. Of the, of the minority against the oppression of majoritarian rule. The justice system is set up to protect the victim, to, to protect the, the, the uh, accused. Exactly. And, well, that's the criminal system we're talking exactly. about. Exactly. That's what I'm saying, is that this is not an uncommon thing in the structure of the society that like, they were trying to build. The executive branch is a reflection of majority rule. The majority, the majority, the, whoever gets the most votes wins. The legislature is uh, a reflection of majority rule. Whoever wins those elections in the House and Senate, that's who there. That's who gets in there. The Supreme Court is designed to protect against pure majority rule by protecting the rights of the minority who may be oppressed by the actions of the majority. But but the majority and Alito seems to be totally forgetting that the majority has appointed the past three anyway Supreme Court justices. Well, no, one president appointed the last three. And but the majority that he had the majority, he had the majority. Uh, in the actually, no, for, well, if you want to say like what majority we're talking about, Trump wasn't elected by a popular majority. What all that's I'm, one thing, okay? and, and, and those three people were not appointed by vote. Right, they were appointed by who they 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 were appointed by the Senate, who was Republican. 
Mm-hmm. So they, he sent these people to the Republicans. Yes. The Republicans rubber stamped them. Well, of course. And now they But that's them. their role of Congress. They're the ones who have to approve the president's nominations to the court. That's all right. constitutionally mandated. I'm not saying this correctly, because what I'm saying is that the majority is not the rule in the Supreme Court, except when the president, told, the president and, the, and the Senate are of the same party and of the same ilk that they're going to appoint whoever they want to appoint. Right. But it's not always because of the same party. Plenty of justices before the past 10 to 20 years, maybe, have been voted on by, by and supported by both parties. It's rare that a Supreme Court justice nomination has been thrown Strictly out. Strictly along partisan lines. Very yeah. rare that you see a justice yeah, 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 yeah. nomination thrown out. Why, why historically have Supreme Court nominations been sort of... An easy pass through Congress. The, the the minority party never really stood up uh, to to like most of those votes are bipartisan. Supreme Court justices specifically right. are nonpartisan decisions, and suddenly, suddenly the wheels are in motion. Well, that's because the court, in its in its fashion, protected against political extremism in the law. So what went wrong? But because now the court has become subjected to political extremism in the appointments to the court. My question is, how did that happen? Because basically the Republicans have been working on this for decades. Yes, they have. They've been working on it for decades. The Democrats just treated this as an election issue every election. They didn't treat it... Because there's two big differences. The Democrats are a political party, but they're not an ideological movement. The Republican Party has now become an ideological movement. That's interesting right there, what you just said. Right? I didn't think of it that way, but it's true. Yeah, it is true. Because you would almost have to take somebody... It's And that ideology is hail to Trump. Ex- well, yeah, okay. That's, that's what it basically uh, yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying that you'd have to take somebody named Cheney <laughs> out of the Republican Party mm-hmm. based on ideology. And that's, that's what's so weird. To me. And that's what would be because... Aside from her position on the insurrection, she was a full-blooded conservative Republican. Yeah, I yeah. did. I did not care for Liz Cheney. Yeah, at all. I agree. You know, I agree. She, we we didn't we we call her Darth Vader's daughter for a reason. Well, Darth you know? Vader was Darth Vader, but these these are, <laughs> these are different things. This is this is not about the differences of opinion that people have uh, in po- about policy in America. This is about going back to the very foundation of did he, did they attack and try to subvert the very base of the democracy? Yeah. Is that, and, and to prevent it becoming, I believe, and for a long time I have believed that it is actually uh, an oligarchy. Yo, that's where. Be, it's that's becoming more evident. It's yeah, it's just not it's a, becoming like, more like official yet. And I think there's two election cycles. When we know more about Coke Industries mm-hmm. and we know about the inner workings of the House Judiciary Committee, you know, you're supposed to be able to trust the privacy of the House Judiciary Committee. You're supposed to be able to trust. We're taught, yeah, right after we do the Pledge of Allegiance that they all fucking insist we say every day. As they say, indoctrination is something else. Right. Then they tell us that you are supposed to support and believe and trust the Supreme Court, the Senate. Well, that's the whole thing with what's going on now. Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts, voted with the other three liberal justices Mm -hmm. because he wanted to uphold the principle of stare decisis on this case. 
and he, I guess he tried to soften up. We don't, like I said, we don't know what other opinions, what other draft decisions have gone back and forth between these justices. Probably not. Because that's what they do. Without, but that's yeah, what yeah, they yeah. do during this whole time. Don't forget, this case was decided in February. So they've been sending these memos and back stuff and back and forth to each other the whole time. How many people comments. come across them? Yep. So, um, it's, it's, like I said, I, I don't know what this final decision is going to look like. I'm afraid it's not going to be too much different from what's in there now. Sp- probably not. Spend a minute talking about how rare an occasion it is that a leak comes out of any Supreme Court anything. It's, this has never happened before. This has never happened before. Hmm. And one side saying, oh, it's a conservative justice. One side saying, oh, it's a liberal justice. I'm saying, I don't care who did it. Fucking fire their ass. If they broke a law, then prosecute them for it. Because all you're doing is undermining what's already being undermined. Did they break and that's a law? the integrity of the court. Did they break a law? I don't know. I don't know if there what the applicable laws, if there are any applicable laws to what to what happened here. A law against leaking. Or is that holy thing is that whole thing based well, on we you know, we believe in the institution and we trust the institution. But I would assume that when protect the institution. I would assume that when clerks are hired to work there, they like maybe they have to sign an NDA, a non disclosure agreement. That any documents that you see in here you must keep confidential. Can a government organization make you sign an NDA? I believe they could, yeah. Really? I can't see why they couldn't. Okay. You think the CIA doesn't have something like that? No, I believe that the... the FBI doesn't have something like that? Um... That you have to keep confidential matters confidential under penalty of law. Okay, okay. Is that the same as the hundreds of NDAs that Donald Trump has? That's... We're talking about criminal NDAs, which which would, if there is such a thing exists, and these civil NDAs, you know, which these people say, you can't disclose us, otherwise we can sue you for this amount of money or whatever. Okay. That's different. Then something that will put you in jail. Yes. Which essentially is something like Julian Assange, or what's her name, who was uh, the trans woman who who leaked all of the documents, the army, the army... Okay. Oh, I have God. no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, you do. You do because if you un- if I was able to communicate it to you, <laughs> you would understand it immediately. Uh, she was put in jail. Trans, male to female trans. Okay. Army personnel. Uh, military. Anyway, military personnel who leaked. Tra- oh, you're talking about. With the WikiLeaks. I can't think of, was her, I can't, I can't think of her name. Yeah. I Wiki- know what you're talking about. Okay, yes. thank you. To me, WikiLeaks is always... That always... was during the whole Iran... Yes. The Iraq War. Yeah. The second Iraq War. Yeah. To me, uh, Julian Assange is always WikiLeaks, and I know that's not the truth. But it's just a, a, a personal... Well, that's a move on. We're... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going yeah, yeah. What are we, on four hours now? No, we're, we got plenty of time. Relax. All right, all right, all right. Anyway, we now should look at some of the consequences of what this decision is going to be. Because let's face it, Roe v. Wade is going to be overturned, I think, at this point. But do we have to do this? It's so obvious. It's so plain. It's so... yeah. We well, do. people should know what to expect. Like, for instance, there are 13 states that have trigger laws trigger that laws. once Roe v. Wade is overruled, their anti-abortion laws take effect. Doesn't that sort of prove a plan? Yep. Okay. This has been decades in the making. All right. This has been decades I've been in the making. I've been saying that since we started the podcast, okay? But, of course, there are other states that have passed laws to maintain the legality of abortion if Roe is uh, overturned. Those states are California, Connecticut... Hawaii, Maine, Maryland, Nevada, and Washington. You know what's weird? Nevada's the only landlocked. They're all on a coast. Yeah. Yeah, all those, right? 
Also, they believe now, because right now most criminal prosecutions are aimed at the abortion provider, not at the woman getting the abortion, but they think now with Roe being overturned that, that the fact that uh, self-induced abortions may, will probably rise and that the probably prosecution of women for doing such will also rise. Here's what I'm saying. You know, when life gives you lemons? Mm-hmm. If, they had, if they had published these books that told these... 18th century women and these 16th century, uh, how to do this? Can't they go back to that thing? Does there have to be the knitting needle? Do you have to have the wire hanger? Does it have to go back to that? That's I mean, what, yeah, until, yeah, unfortunately, that's what it is going to go back to. Uh, yeah, but but does it have to? Because we No, it shouldn't have for, to. For thousands of years, for, for 100 years of America, they did it. They did it a safe, common way. But what's going to happen is now is once these states start having these anti-abortion laws, now you're going to have people who can afford to travel out of state. And yeah, they've yeah, already yeah. seen that. They already showed that in Texas, when Texas passed its anti-abortion law, Texas women were going to Oklahoma. Now Oklahoma this past week outlawed abortion. So now the next stop is Kansas. And there's like what a four abortion clinics in the whole state of Kansas. Why would you go? Why would you not go right up to California? You would think, but first of all, not all these people can even can even afford to travel. No, that's the problem. Did, no, but that's you introduce them as as the women who could. Right, but another problem is that there are now states like Missouri that are now pushing bills that would punish anyone who assists someone to get an out-of-state abo- an abortion. What, does that mean Delta Airlines? Yeah, that's what I mean. So that means you can sue the cab driver who drove you to the airport to go to New York to get an abortion? Is it that already answered question, though? We know that already. Yeah. I, that's, Tell me about Alabama. Uh, Alabama's probably one of these anti-abortion states, you know? So when we go to Alabama, right? can I, can I ask them what the fuck is going on, or am I going to get arrested? No, you won't get arrested for asking, that's for sure. No, but like, will we get booed? I don't know. Because in my mind, let me tell you what's happening. We're in Alabama. Bebop's has hosted a trip for us to Alabama, yeah. and, and, and on a Saturday night, uh, they're going to have us out, and we're going to do a podcast live right. from Bebop's. Okay. Okay? Can I go out there and say, hey, bitches, the fuck are you doing? <laughs> well, you're in a gay bar, so I would think most gay people are predominantly... More liberal minded. That's true. So that wouldn't be an issue in that setting. That's true. But it only Whereas takes if you were having a podcast at let's say the local Ebenezer Baptist Church in Montgomery, Alabama. Don't 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 but, you believe for a second that those people would not love me. Well <laughs> Ebenezer Baptist Church? That's the first Bitch. thing I can think of. I know it's Martin Luther King's church. They would love. They me. would love you. There. They. That's would the first love thing me. I came to mind. When it I would take them me. a second, <laughs> but they would love me. Believe it. All right. So all right. I gotta. I just. I want to know how to be. Well, I'm gonna tell you in Alabama. I just want to tell you. Well, more news that's, that's coming up about what's the consequences. All right. Last year, the American Public Health Association did a survey of more than 7,000 women showed that self-induced abortions was nearly three times more prevalent among black women than white women and even higher among Hispanic women. See, the problem is that they spent the money to go find that out. You and I could have taken a shot in the dark guess and figured that shit out. Some people need to see statistics to believe something like that. Well, some people need to see statistics that they can then go out and disbelieve. Well, we know that, too. All right, so, so. But anyway, oh, 
I think I'm exhausted from this. Anyway. And abortion has never entered my life. They're also saying that according to a 2019 study, if Roe is reversed and states prohibited abortion, the increase in travel distance would basically prevent anywhere between 90,000 to 140,000 women from having abortions in the year following Roe's being overturned. So this is, is this supported by the airlines and the, and the train companies? I, I, they haven't, no one, they haven't said anything. And that's going to be a whole other issue now is... Where will corporations be on, on this issue? Because as we've seen now with Don't Say Gay... You know what's funny? Because what what has happened is the country has become very pro-corporate. Yes. The government. Yes. The government has been bought and and sold by for the corporations. And so it rules yes. and, and judges and legislates in favor of the corporations. Which is okay. why they're getting more and more legal rights as time goes on as well. Exactly. And, and more power. Yep. Okay, so... What happens is the corporation are subject to consumers. Right. So there's been a couple of times in the recent past where the corporations like Disney in Florida have said, now Florida's been pretty good to Disney. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but Disney's going to get the last laugh here. Don't, don't. Don't, be- oh, don't just I, believe I, it. Oh, I, I, well, I know that. What, they go 50 miles north and they end up in Mobile and bam. But what I'm saying is that... Is, I was about to it, say, Disney, say, we're picking up roots and going to Puerto Rico. This, oh, I would love that. That would be great. I've never been to Disney. <laughs> Opening day in fucking Puerto Rico. Right? I will borrow. I would love to see I that. will borrow money from you. I will borrow money from everybody. And I watch know. Puerto Rico, man. To get I'm to Puerto Rico. money in. Puerto Rico, Disney. Yeah. Fuck me, man. <laughs> oh, I need a second. Anyway, I was making a point about yes, how about how the government is built now to to bow and kowtow to the corporations, yep. where the corporations are still kowtowing to their consumers. Yes. Because they're not a corporation without their consumers. Of course. Okay? So that's why some of the corporations are saying, yeah, our consumers are a little more left of this. So if we go, if we, if we support this, we're going to lose what made us... Okay, I, I don't know if I'm being clear. No, but you're not. I'm not being clear. All right. <laughs> it's just... It's, it's just... It's a, it's... Anyway, the bottom line is we have dark times ahead of us with the Supreme Court. Oh, I'm going to be dead Because soon. they have thrown the gauntlet down with this, yeah. with this leaked decision. If it's any indication of what's to come, we're in for some dark times when it comes to our civil liberties. I tell you what, I feel bad for anybody who's, who's not a straight white Christian male. Well, that would be us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that but, would be us. For real. And and don't believe that day by day I don't feel the benefits of being a middle-aged white guy. Assumed to be straight, assumed to be Christian. Yeah. Okay? I, I feel the benefit of that every day. What I'm saying is that everybody who is not that... I know. It's, you guys got to come together, man, because this, this shit well, is real. Yeah, I was, I was, I'm I was, seeing it in my life, and it's real. This is, like I said, this, what happened yesterday should be like the bat signal to everyone not a right-wing uh, conservative in this country, that you need to get off your ass, and you need to start speaking up, it's, acting up, and supporting... Unfortunately, it's the gang that couldn't shoot straight, the Democrats. Yeah. But right now, I trust them to protect our nation and our liberty more than I I trust it. The fucking fascist Republicans. Here's the, if you, yes, they are bumbling. And yes, they can't decide. Okay? But the fact of the matter is what they wanted, they want to do right by you. 
Yeah, they're not an ideological movement, you know? Yeah, yeah. it's going to take a second for us to decide because we have... They're treated like that. Well, we're... we're, Right now, they're demonized. Oh, they're communists, they're socialists, they're this, they're that. Whatever. No, they're not. They're politicians. What they want to do is they want to hear everybody. And then we want to make a decision. But we want everybody to be involved. We want want to do the best as we can for as many people. They're accommodating. With the inclusion of Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema. This is the problem because now there is... It's a... use the current vernacular it's a tent yeah that really does welcome everybody and they give everybody the voice to say what they want to say so in order to do that it takes time on the other side the extreme other side not you i can't believe i'm saying this not the extreme other side not cheney Right. Not the Mormon. No. Who ran for I president. I can give you a good example. Joe Scarborough, who's on in the morning with uh, Mika Brzezinski on MSNBC. Yeah, mornings. I don't understand. He was a diehard Reagan Republican. Yeah, but diehard those, Republican. But those people are not welcome anymore. If you see him now, you would never recognize him as From what that, he yeah. was in that, that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This man was a dyed red Republican. Not for nothing, but, but that's you, you where it started. You wouldn't know that now. The the regular started. This party has left what he what he believed yeah, in. Yeah, you know, it, it didn't take it long. It totally left. It took a couple of hundred years to get to Reagan, and then it took much much less time to get to Trump. Yeah, and now where are they going? Where they're going is where we, the other two-thirds of the country, because that's really what this is. Yeah. The other two-thirds of the country have to decide together. Listen, we have a couple of issues between you and me. But for real, we need to make sure that these crazy people don't get that's the control the thing. That, that, yeah. that really they've been working I mean, to. there was one good sign. I re- excuse me. I read a quick story in the news before we went on. Uh, in Michigan, they had an election. It was a special election for, a, I guess, a state house district or whatever. And it was a dyed red-in-the-wool Trumper against a Democrat in a predominantly Republican district. The Democrat won by 13 points. You got to hope that shows itself all over the country. Hopefully that's a good sign. Then I see, of course, that J.D. Vance won the Republican primary, who's who's been endorsed by Trump. Well, uh, well even are, if he hasn't been endorsed by Trump, he kisses Trump's ring anyway. There are a couple of districts more than a couple of districts who the Republican primary is about who is the most Trump. Yeah. Okay. So that's going to happen. Trump is going to show up all vote, over And that's when you should vote none of the above. But that's but 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 now you're trying to talk to the Republicans. But who we have to talk to are the Democrats. Yeah. And we have to say, you know what? You held back your vote for Hillary because you didn't think she was exactly the right. Okay. Yeah. So now this is the result of your decision. Yeah. To not vote for Hillary. Uh, because of whatever, and now here we are. We're, this is a serious fucking moment right here. You have two election cycles. Two. Yeah. If you don't get it right. And right now, we're going into an election cycle where 70% of the American people want to keep Roe v. Wade the law of the land. And this is an election that the Democrats were pretty much destined to lose because of our current economic situation. Well, you know what? Aside maybe, from- maybe it was a Democrat who leaked the fucking thing. Because who knows? I don't because care. Nah, nah, fire him, whatever. You, you would hope that, that it, it pushes the Democrat, it gives the Democrats an advantage going in. That, holy shit, America is not supposed to be about taking rights away from people. America is supposed to be about finding a way to give rights to people yeah, who the, found their way I here. Mean, this will be the first time that the Supreme Court is taking away a right that it previously granted. This has never happened before. And that right there is where we should end this conversation.
That sounds good to me. Move, move to on the to... next one. Oh, you're gonna love our next segment I... because it's the week in fascism. Oh, I had a sound effect. Oh, you have a Shit, sound my effect. My phone is turned off. Oh, Go man. ahead. Uh... Well, being that this was Jewish American Heritage Month, I thought I'd take a look at. Anti-Semitism in the United States. And, and and how far did you have to look, Patrick? Not very far, yeah. because basically it's been on the rise, since, a steady rise since 2018. In 2022 alone, and we're only in our fifth month, there have been 20 <sighs> anti-Semitic attacks on various people or buildings. Four a month, five a month. There were 21 in all of 2021 Yeah, alone. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you that's go how bad it's gotten. 2016, 2017. I, I, I imagine it was lower. This I got from the from New York City. In the, as of April third, New York City cops were investigating eighty six anti Semitic hate crimes in the city that in this year. More than three times the twenty four incidents investigated by this time a year ago. Jesus, that's how bad it's gotten. All right, why? Part of it is be, during times of economic distress. The Jews are the victims. The Jews, the Jews are, are blamed. The, blamed always. It's also, you know, the perpetuation of the stereotypes right, and the Jews right, have all the money right, and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know any poor Jews? Yes, I, know, I do. I know plenty of poor yes, Jews. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> I know plenty of Jews who would look for me for help, We're, and that ain't looking up too high. All right, but it's it's between you know that. Just the whole the whole right wing extremism Listen, going on in our country. Here's the thing: you and I are are new gay New York men in theater. Yes. So the Jews have a place. There's a place for us. Like the Jews are just part. Like it's gonna be really hard. Thank you, Tevia Gibbons. It's gonna, <laughs> if I were it, it's gonna be really hard. For us to, <laughs> I don't. I, I, we are so embedded in that in that not pro. Yeah, pro Jew. Yeah, let's go to this man. I'm pro Jew for fuck's sake. It took a British guy to say on Broadway, you can't succeed in Broadway unless you have the Jew with a. Uh, you can't succeed in Broadway. Oh, shit, without the Jews, unless yeah. you have the Jews. Yes, it was, they were saying it. Exactly. You. Uh, yeah. Uh, so what I'm saying is that this whole month is going to be very biased. Of course, we know Jews. Yes, a lot of the people listening in the 400 countries in the 62,000 fucking countries, whatever they don't. Not everybody has seen a Jew. No, they not haven't. everybody knows true. from Jews. No, they do not. But so, they're going to learn about them here as a warning. <laughs> thirty days has a time for the next thirty-one days. We're going to be talking about the Jews. Yes, we are. Because I mean, you'll be seeing our Facebook and Twitter posts. On it them, really too. is just sort of our people. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? Like it really is. I thought they were God's people first before they were our people. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, God was. But I mean, just to give you. The prevailing mindset, I mean, look at the Russian foreign minister who said that uh, Hitler had Jewish blood. Oh, he did, didn't he? Yeah, he said that this past week. Yeah. Which, of course, caused international outrage. But, it's, I mean, anti-Semitism is not going away Well, that's a way. Well, that's, no? that's a way to say it doesn't matter that Zelensky, that hottie, right, is Jewish. Yes. Just because he's Jewish doesn't mean he can't be a Nazi. Because let's be honest, so <clears throat> so if he was the biggest Nazi ever, then why can't Zelensky yeah, be a Nazi? A Jew. Right, yeah, I know. 
I know. That's Hitler, the mindset. Hitler never identified as a Jew. Well, he wasn't Jewish. <laughs> I think there was some Jewish blood running through there. There was talk of that. They don't know if that's true or not. Okay. Still, if there was, he never identified as a Jew. They he never divided up and down. He never would have identified. No, that's of a course point. not. He definitely so, didn't. And Zelensky says upright. He wasn't even German. He was Austrian. Well... Yeah, but the Austrians... And he identified with the Germans, you know? The, the Austrians... Aren't they like Germany light? Uh, don't forget, they were part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Yeah, I know who they are. <laughs> so that Austria was a pretty big... Marie von Trapp sang you know? in a fucking mountain in Austria. I know all about well, Austria. Hello, Stephen, my hey, husband honey. and producer. Hey, Hi. hey, hey, hey. Can I have some water? I hate to ask like that because I know, I ha I know how you people do... Oh, my God, you have a hiney. You just mooned me. I don't mind meeting you in the kitchen, but Patrick hates it when I get up while he's talking. <laughs> he, he must have said that to you. I mean, I've done it a couple of times. He hates when anybody gets up. Yeah. Oh, my God. He sounds like such a professor. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. Anyway. What were we talking about? We were discussing the Jews and anti-Semitism. All right. So States. what are we, our five favorite Jews? Is that what Well, we we're not up there yet. We're oh, not up there yet. We're still in the week in fascism. Okay. Because a, uh, this is not concerns the uh, January 6th committee, the House committee. Mm-hmm. It seems now that there's a startling bunch of evidence that shows deep involvement of House Republicans in Trump's attempt to stay in power. It details several meetings where lawmakers got together, including uh, Kevin McCarthy and Scott Perry of Pennsylvania and uh, what's his name, Jordan from Ohio, and how they would attend these meetings with the White House counsel, and they discussed plans to put up basically fake slates of electors for that way for Trump to there declare the real state electors so unqualified every, everything or that the left has been accusing them of doing is coming true? Yes, they are finding all the evidence. But now they're, it's not just the Trump White House. Now they're finding the House Republicans. It coming from the House Republicans. <clears throat> involved in all this. So, of course, they've now subpoenaed at least three of them. And they haven't subpoenaed them. They've requested three of them to appear. That was Jordan, Scott Perry, and Kevin McCarthy. All the Marie have refused. Can I tell you the truth? Yeah. Based on the news that you and I both saw on television today. Yeah. Kevin McCarthy. The most feckless political leader I've ever seen in my life. Maybe also the most fucked. Oh, that too. Yeah. He's fucked. Yeah, because he talks out of both sides of his mouth, depending on who he's talking to. It's amazing. Right? I mean, he's feckless. I don't like him at all. He's just, he's a, he's a jellyfish. I mean, I don't like Trump, okay? But but he looked Trump in the face. He did to Trump basically what the three what the three Supreme Court justices. Oh yeah, at their did confirmation the hearings. Yeah, well they said, oh yes, Roe is the set of law of the land. They all said it at their confirmation they hearings. They lied to you, fuck upright. <clears throat> they lied First to opportunity. you. Opportunity, boom. Yeah, and. Isn't that a thing? Can't you do something about it? I that? would think they would, but they probably won't. They won't. They won't. No, okay. So so where did we went backwards in time? We were talking yes, about we Kevin McCarthy. Yes, and about how now the the House One Six Committee now is starting to investigate the House Republican involvement in the events leading up to the and what did he what did we find out he said? Today we found out that he said what? Yeah, there was there was another leap to take. First of all, People hate Kevin McCarthy because they all leak in everything. <laughs> yeah. He expects to be the next House Speaker. Yeah, yeah. At this rate, 
every every day it gets a little worse. Yeah, because now what what's happening is is I'll I'll admit the liberal media, your CNNs, your NMSNBC, are releasing these recordings of him being very anti-Trump. Maybe we should do the Twenty Fifth Amendment, but it takes a little bit of time, right? Yeah. Okay, maybe we should do this, but I don't know. Okay, so, uh, yeah, and now Trump is going to... All I know is Mitch McConnell's probably having a big laugh at McCarthy's expense. I, just, <laughs> I, I would like nothing less than to see Mitch McConnell gone. Yes, he, he's a cancer on the he Senate. He is... He's a cancer yeah. on the Senate, especially after what he did with the whole Merrick, Merrick Garland nomination. Uh, the Merrick Garland nomination. That's, that was, was totally was unforgivable. A step too far, I agree. Totally I, unforgivable. A step to, not, not for nothing... Merrick Garland in his current role is not impressing me much. I'm trying to be patient. So am I. saying being patient. And they're gonna, but you know, time, the time's ticking. We're now in May. You know, he want. I know what he wants to do. I know what he wants to do, and I believe in this. He wants airtight. Yes, and I don't blame him. I don't either because I you're going after him. you're going after powerful people. I mean, the question is. Is he going to go after Trump? Oh, he's got to. That's the real question. Jesus Christ. Everyone treats the presidency like it's some holy office. But right it's now, not. it's right. a man in a political position. A public servant. Yep. Like the guy at the post office. Yeah, exactly. So, so Merrick Garland, man, you don't... Right, we, uh, I, I, I want you to get Trump. I yeah. want you. I want to hear the words. Merrick Garland and die. I want those words. But in the meantime, I know because right now all we see, all we've seen for the past what year and four months, are all the foot soldiers who were in the insurrection being this prosecuted. This is what I'm saying. Now, is he just being Shakespearean and waiting to get the big meat at the end? And isn't that going to be fantastic? I mean, don't forget. I mean, that's what happened in Watergate. They went after like seven about seven of them at once on the White House. Uh, uh, at least the five. Yeah. Five. The five of them who were caught in the office. Well, I don't mean those. I'm talking about er- uh, Holdeman, Ehrlichman. Well, all the members uh, of the White House. Okay, yeah. They were all indicted at once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You I, I, you want to see uh, Ivanka's husband. Ivana's husband. Who the fuck is she, Ivanka? The daughter. The daughter yeah. wife. Oh, her and Kushner. Kushner. Oh, don't get me started on him. I want. And, I, and you know, more than anybody else, more than the rest of them, I could, uh, I could find a way somewhere along the line for all of them, except... For that one motherfucker, Steve. Bannon? Ste- no. No, worse than <laughs> Steve. Job of the Bannon. Hutt, as I call him. Steve. Steve Gold. Steve. Oh, Miller. Miller. Yeah, he was on the. He was on. Yeah, Trump's staff. Oh. He- now, that's a Jewish Nazi. He should be in fucking handcuffs. That's a Jewish Nazi. Yeah, he is. Because his whole anti-immigrant stance was he's, disgusting. He's a, he's, a, he's a shameful person. Yeah. He's a shameful person. Right? He's a shameful Jew. He's a shameful man. He's yeah. a shameful white man. He's a shameful mammal. As far as you go back, any community that could claim Steve Miller is shamed by him. Yes. He's awful. Yeah. I, I want him in handcuffs. One more item I didn't mention as part of the investigation. They're now requesting records from the Republican National Committee. Yeah, well, good luck with that. Because they are suspecting involvement of them in this in all these shenanigans leading up to the insurrection. They're all involved. So there's, well, like I said, I, I know we're all anxious to see something happen, but I guess we're going to have to just be patient. You know what the, th- the truth is, Patrick, when it comes to all of this, all of this, we're all involved. We're all responsible. 
We all did this. Yep. We all, if we, if we didn't actively go out and support it, we allowed it to happen by being, uh, uh, I, I don't want to say content. No, um, it's the old saying of it, all it takes for evil to succeed is for good men to stay by, stand by and, and do, do nothing. nothing. Yeah. And yeah. in, in a sense, that that's true. We, we basically have stood by and watched the Republicans well, and, reach and, the stage now. Germany was one third of the population watching the other third of the population destroy the third of third of the population. I said it completely wrong, but that's people forget Hitler was, Hitler was arrested for a revolution for staging a revolt in twenty three. Ten years later, he was the Chancellor of Germany. Yeah, yeah. What the fuck, you know? Yeah. Uh, can, and can, that's can, a, can an idea democracy can the idea of a living constitution work? But that's the whole thing. The This Supreme Court does not, well, the majority, the conservative majority, does not view it as a living document. They yeah. just look at it as the at the text and the original intent of the founders when it was written in 1776. So the only people who are going to get, or who should get, lockstep behind that are straight white Christian men. Well, that's the whole thing. Like when we were talking about the decision and, and Alito's bringing up all these anti-abortion laws. Well, who wrote the laws back then? Straight, men. Right, white Women had Christian no men. legal power. Who wrote the sodomy laws yeah. back then? Straight men. Right? Because homosexuals, number one, they weren't a community like they are in the 20th yeah, yeah, and they, yeah, they became yeah. in the 20th century. Thank God for people like Larry Kramer, Harvey Fives. Right? Too. But well, there was years, no, the there was no political force, no, you know, no, no. or anything no. like that. And, and but that's what the that's, that's what these conservatives want to do. Like, let's look at the, uh, what the Constitution said back in eight, 1787. Now, when you mention these conservatives, you're talking about straight white Christian men who are well now, fighting. Well, now women too, because you have to include Barrett now. Yeah, you know what? The women really fucking bother me. Yep. You know, like it's not just fucking. The white trash fat woman with the Budweiser bikini holding a gun in front of her kid with a cigarette and uh, her husband drinking a beer by the pool outside, uh, you know, the little dipping pool outside. That's, you're talking about women with an education. Yeah. Where are you? What, where are you? I, know. Uh, I don't know, Patrick. Move well, us ahead. We're going to move on to our next segment, Please. which is We Like to Watch. Okay. Here I can contribute. Okay. What you got? Oh, what have I watched? What do you watch? Yeah. I we just finished watching an old series on Amazon Prime. Which was? Called The Fall. Okay. With Gillian Anderson and Jamie Dornan. It was made from 2013 to 2016. Okay. It tells a story. Was it black and white? No, no, it's in color. Uh, yeah. But it's 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 three seasons long. It's from it ran from 2013 to 2016. And it's a story told from it's a story of a serial killer. Told from both the perspective of the serial killer. You are so fucking hooked right now. The cop investigating it. You used to look oh at my me god. Like I should have been arrested. Well, no, let's put it this way. I mean, watching those serial killer documentaries, uh-huh. it it's just like because they're real and a little ridiculous. Not only ridiculous, <laughs> it's just like they're just arrogant, boring, shallow people who just they live to kill. Now the inspiration now they provide is about, fiction. Yes. Yeah. But when we're talking about a dramatic presentation, right, 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 it's a whole different story. Okay, bitch. But what, <laughs> I'm thrilled. But actually, I mean, 
I was more interested from the perspective of Julian Anderson's character. I have no idea what you're talking he, about. So uh, She basically is this police investigator who's sent to Belfast. He normally investigates other police investigations, but she's sent to Belfast to help in this serial killer investigation. And she basically takes the lead in this investigation. Okay. In three seasons, does she solve it? Yes. Oh. Yes. It, the crime gets solved, so to speak. Yeah. I don't want to tell anything about yeah, what yeah, happens. Yeah, yeah, because somebody might care. It's at, I. This series was recommended to me by Debbie Rupee, number one. Okay. And I want to thank her profusely for recommending it to us, because we absolutely loved this series. Hi, crazy. It's one of the best like police investigation series I've seen it a long time. Okay. It was really, really that good. I right. highly recommend it. It's on Amazon Prime. It's called The Fall. When police procedurals are, re- are good, yeah. they're really good. Yeah. So, there's this English thing. Okay. All right. It's 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 a gay coming of age story. And I gotta say, at the age I am now, a gay coming of age story, I feel kind of creepy. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yes, I know. It's because, like, why am I watching this? Yeah, yeah. It's like it's creepy, and it's creepy because the kid is cute, right? Yeah, I, I, I but anyway. you, wa- you watch Call Me was it called Call Me by Your Name? I have never seen Call Me by oh, Your Name. Oh, you didn't name. see it? No. And that's a gay coming, gay coming of age story. They're all coming of age. Stories. But I didn't feel creepy watching it. Uh, you know? Oh, oh, really? Yeah. Is that because you were watching somebody else be creepy? No. Because I understand that that's a kind of creepy story. No, it wasn't. No. Uh, I mean, no, I'm thinking of the no, wrong thing. no, not at all. All right, so I'm trying to find the name of this. It, it's popular now on Netflix. A heartbreaker, heart lister, heart something. Heart, okay. heart <laughs> something. I'm, Let me see I'm if looking I can for, find it. it for you. Heart. It's, 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 um, God, heart, heart. Heart stopper? Stopper. Thank you. Is it a, uh, Nikki and Charlie? Okay. Teens Charlie and Nick discover okay. their unlikely friendship. Charlie and Nick. Okay. Might yeah. be something more as they navigate school and young love. All right. So here's the thing. Okay. It's very, from what you said, Nick and Charlie and the teenage love in the sky. And it's very yawn-inducing. Yeah. Just to hear it. I watched all of it in like three days. I just watched it. <laughs> It's just really, really good. But it just happens to be filled with all these young, hot gay boys. It's just... And, 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 and there's, there's a lot of kissing. They, and and it's the first time in really a long time where leading up to the kiss yeah. was exciting. Okay. And then when that kiss so happens... There's romance behind it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. was... And, and I've seen hundreds, and so have you. Of course. Hundreds of these gay coming of age stories. And I guess the reason why they don't tell the gay at 55-year-old story is because at 55, we're the same as every other fucking 55-year-old in the world, except you don't have kids in college. So, but When they see it with 50-year-olds, it's usually on a stage on Broadway. Thank you. <laughs> Where gays become different. Yes. Is coming of age. So a coming of age happens between 13 and 20. And, uh, so that's when it has to so come. A coming of age story is always going to. And that's where really the gays are more different. Or, or the gays are, are, are different from straights. Yes. Is that coming of age era. Yeah. So in order to do coming of age, you have to do teenage stories. And that's what I realized. Or at least that's what I convinced myself as I was watching. And loving the kid who played Charlie. Okay. All right. Um, you know, he's the darker curly haired whatever it is. but it was just it was it was good it was i i, I went into it because everybody in the around me is saying how good it is yeah. and netflix is saying it's wonderful 
So the fuck? We'll watch another gay coming of age story. Fucking creepy old man. Like they wouldn't let me into Disneyland. And um it was just it was good. Yeah. It was like good. It was good okay. acting, good film work. Oh, good. good. It was good. Oh, I don't know. Story. I don't know how they made it any different from any other British schoolboy in the uniform. Well, have you seen the Netflix? You, I talked about it before that Netflix show, Sex Education. Yeah, you've talked about that. that. You would like that a lot. I yeah, mean, you would like that a lot. It's great humor. And like I said, it's all about this kid whose mother is a sex so therapist, I, yeah. and he becomes like a sex therapist to his fellow students. Uh. <laughs> And I started picking up on season four of Ozark. We couldn't get into that oh show. Oh, God. We watched the first three or four episodes, and we were just like, we don't like these I characters. Can't, I can't explain it to you. I mean, I like satire, and I like anti-heroes and stuff. I did not like those characters. I don't think that's what beginning. it is. I don't know what it is, but I didn't. I don't think it's satire, because I never No, I know it's not satire. I'm looking at it. But it's that whole thing of the anti-hero. Yeah. And that's what these characters are. Absolutely. I, I like anti-heroic characters and other... In other venues or fiction and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like these characters yeah. at all. I think that's valid because I like the show a lot and I don't know why. Okay. It's got obviously it's got good writing. Laura Lin- Laura Linney is, but, but writing, she's a great actress. The Laura writing Linney. is always good. Laura Laura Linney is I loved her since I like her. Uh, she's she's a little too, Tales of the City, I've loved her since. She's know? a little too easy to like. Okay. Well, she's kind of bland. Okay. But here... Oh, I have a good I have a good Laura Linney movie to recommend to you then. Tell me. I can't think of the name of it. She's an attorney representing a priest who sued for homicide, uh, who's being prosecuted for homicide for a girl's death performed during an exorcism. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I like that. It's really good. Exorcism is a high interest of a mind. Let me see if I can find the name of it. I, I love the idea that e- e- exorcism... It's just cool to me. Like I it's love supposedly the idea. based on a true story. Too. They, well, they're all Audrey Rose, The Exorcist. They're all a true story, right? But the idea that uh, this guy, this priest, is going to come along and 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 expel the demon from a living person is just fascinating. To it's. Me. It. I think. Oh, it was Colin Wilkinson plays the priest. Oh, Colin Wilkinson. How could you call yourself an Irishman when you call him Colm? Here it is. The exorcism. The exorcism of Emily Rose. Yeah, Emily Rose. That's the name of it. That's the name of it. That's a remake. This is a remake. It's got to be. I'm a sorry, remake. not Colm Wilkinson. Tom Wilkinson. That has to be a remake. Uh, Emily Rose. Emily Rose is old. But it says it's based on the story of Annalise Michelle, I guess, who was the the girl who was the subject of the exorcism. I don't know. know. Uh, It's a really good movie. I'm getting tired of hearing myself. Well, I'm going to talk about an old TV show that I've been watching since the beginning. It's still on the air. I don't think many people still watch it anymore, but we, Stephen and I, still do. And that's The Blacklist. What? The Blacklist with James Spader. Okay. I love James Spader. <laughs> I just, I love James Spader. And I guess he's this arch criminal in the show. The show is like so far off from where it started. It was all about this FBI agent who, because of this arch criminal, he decides is supplying information to this FBI task force, which actually went, who may arrest these people based on his information, but it also benefits him as well at the same time. And all these shenanigans happen, and the lead character got killed to, like, Two years ago. But the series is still going on without her. And like James Spader basically now is like the full lead of the show now. Okay. I, I just love James Spader. What's it called? The Blacklist. Okay. Like every week he'll give the task force a different criminal to go look for. But okay. he always has some hidden agenda in why they're looking for him. 
It's a good show. I, I, I said, I love James Spader. Man can do no wrong in my life. Well, it's eyes. been 13 years, you said. Well, it's been 13 years. How long has the show been on? Oh, no. It's only been on for about five, six years, maybe. Well, seven six years, years for us for, in this current climate, you know, I know. climate of for television any show to series. Yeah. So, in the thing with the two teenage boys, what were we talking about before <laughs> I was watching? Heartstopper. Heartstopper. Yes. The mother of the straight boy. So, there's this kid... Charlie. Okay. Dark, curly hair. Okay. Okay. Because that matters in English television. He's dark and curly haired. And he comes in. He, he, we see him and he had, the year before he was bullied for coming out. Okay. Like most people who were bullied for coming out, they did not plan to come out the way they came out or at ever. Right. But so he, and now he meet, he, he's assigned to sit next to a kid who's in the rugby team. Okay. Rugby evidently is a cross between baseball and football and soccer and I don't know. <laughs> it's crazy. They lift each other and they do things and it's sort of crazy. And the football is egg shaped. Yes. So it's not real. Fo- I, I don't know. It's but not they play football. They rugby. play rugby. Yes. Okay. And what I've known since I was 14 was that rugby players have really, really good thighs. Yes. Okay. So, anyway, what happens is this kid, this dark haired, curly haired kid, will, comes in and falls in love with the absolutely Anglican looking rugby kid. Okay. The Anglican looking rugby kid, whose name I think is Nikki, has a mother. And it's a great, it's the end of the, it's the end of the available series. It's like the last scene almost. Okay. Where he comes out to her. Okay. And she's fantastic. So I'm looking at her and I'm saying, the fuck is this woman? I know I've seen this woman. Now I'm on, it's a, it's English BBC-ish television. Okay. So she's not famous in America. Yeah. You know, uh, she's a fantastic actress, but she just doesn't look like an American actress. Turns out I've seen her in like everything she's ever done. She was she was Queen Elizabeth in the Crown for season two and three or whatever. She was in a really, really good police procedural that I watched that took place in Scotland on a lot of cliffs. Okay. I think. Okay. Um, Olivia somebody. Olivia. I don't know. That's not Cole. Yes. Cole. Colm, Coleman. I think it's Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth, um, no, Julie, no, what the fuck, Olivia Elizabeth Coleman. Olivia Coleman. Olivia Coleman. Go ahead. Let me see her face. Yes. 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 So she's the mother and she has this absolutely beautiful scene. Until then she does, like, it's like nine Oh, I saw her in The Favorite. Yeah. She won the Academy Award for that. That's what I'm saying, bitches. And she she's in this thing, and she's got like until she, until this one scene, she has like four scenes in nine episodes. Right. Like she has, she's she's the mother of the gay kid. You know, yeah. like who the fuck is she? And then she shows up, and and then I looked, who the fuck is she? This I seen her in everything. Right. She's everywhere. Yeah. What was the name of the police cause procedural? Because that was really good. Uh, was it a movie or a TV? No, it was show? a TV show. And there was one she made her breakthrough in. That was, a, that was a sitcom. She was in a show called Green Wing, and then that Michelle and Webb look. Beautiful people. Rev Flowers. Fleabag. I saw her Fleabag. Have you ever seen Fleabag? No. Fleabag's fucked up. Okay, okay. keep going. What's, what's this say? And Heartstopper. No. Uh, oh, she was in Broadchurch. Broadchurch. Totally forgot she was in that. That's a great fucking series. You know oh from my Broadchurch? God, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. We love that yeah. series. First season is the best one of all. 
She's and I love. She's great. In that. She's great. I and what's his name in that too? Oh, I gotta can't think of his name now. British actor. And I loved her in the Crown. I think uh, the Crown. I can't wait for the Crown to come on. Uh, yeah, that's way over to be back here now. But who am I? David Tennant. That's what I'm thinking. Okay, of. another great actor. I love. Yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway. Um, anyway, I'm totally know. off track. Yeah, totally off track. Good, I'm going to stop you dead in your tracks, and I'm going to talk about the Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer. Okay, I'm going to eat some cookies, <laughs> and you go ahead and talk it's, to It's actually, people. it's this, I think it's the second trailer. They released it today, because it's Star Wars Day, of course. I'm sorry, I've been in love with Ewan McGregor since I saw him in Train Spotting all those years ago, and he's back as Obi-Wan. I can't wait. <laughs> I can't fucking wait. All right. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, thank you. We normally move on to our next segment, which is people saying stupid things. But, but this I, week... I think we've talked enough about Justice Alito. Please, God. <laughs> I can't. And I'm thinking of our listeners. Yes. they got to be so tired of hearing you go. Oh, really? Because you have gone on. Oh, I have. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm observing. We now move on to five faves. All right. And of course, the today's category in honor of Jewish American Heritage Month is our five favorite his, uh, famous Jewish American figures. Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand. Of Barbara course, Streisand. you put Barbara on your list. Fuck you, don't look at me like that. <laughs> Let me explain to you who Barbara is. She's a goddess. To me, okay? <laughs> and for those of you listening, prepare to send nudes. Barbara, every gay boy is born predestined to worship one diva. Now, they there will be other divas. They mine, can expand. Sorry, mine was Diana Rigg when I was young. Okay, because you're a fucking weirdo. Because I watched The Avengers, and she looked great in leather. Bob Streisand. And Madonna became, you know, and then you learn things and you go backwards and you you discover Judy Garland and Ella Fitzgerald, although she was never really here. Anyway, yeah. so mindless Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand got me through gay puberty. Okay. In the 1980s, the early 1980s. <laughs> so to me, and and I'm, I got to tell you. Okay. I know for a fact I ain't the only one. There were a I couple. That's pretty accurate. There were a couple of gay boys born in the late 60s. <laughs> Couple? Whose assigned diva was Barbara Streisand. Okay. Okay. I was Why well, wasn't it Judy Garland? I don't know the answer to that. Why was I a redhead instead of a blonde? I don't know the answer to that either. Born this way. Who's your first? Thank you, Tommy Gaga. Go ahead. My first choice, well, being that you named a woman, I'll name the only woman I have on my list. Oh, God, I'm building boat women. The Notorious RBG. Oh, uh, she's coming up soon on mine. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Right. I, she, I had her right at the top of my list, my yep. very first one. She's the one. Yeah, she, uh, you know, my only regret about her is that she did not resign from the Supreme Court sooner. It was it was not for her to do. I know what you're saying. You know, she I knew she was disagree. sick, and I knew she was counting on, on Hillary winning the election, but she shouldn't have counted on that, you it know? It would never have occurred to her to give up before she was dead. I know, but I know, but let's not even get into that. I, I loved know. her. She was a great justice, I thought. 
a great a great figure for women. I mean, she's an icon to women. She's, she, an, she's, she's an icon she's, to millions of people. She should be an icon to all of us. Right? And if it was only because of the iconism she deserves as a woman and for women, she should be an icon for that, yep. for the men. Yeah. Yeah. She's one of mine. So I'm going to go, that's my two. That's your number two then? So go to your number two. I'll go to my number two. Groucho Marx. Really? Yes. That's hilarious. I grew up as a kid on his films, and he was... When I look back on my on my youth and about the character people I idolize, it was always the wise-talking characters. All right. Bugs Bunny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Danny Partridge on The Partridge Family. Okay. I didn't like him because he was a redhead. Okay. <laughs> I didn't like him. And Groucho Marx, okay. the fast-talking member of the, of the yeah, Marx yeah. Brothers. Good. And I was always drawn to him with a great... Character he always was to me. Yeah. Okay. Groucho Marx. Stephen Sondheim. He's next on my list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how could we not have him? I would be surprised if we neither one of us didn't have him. You it know? needs no explanation. Yeah. It needs no dis- defense. No. Nope. Uh, Stephen Sondheim. Stephen Sondheim. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. Uh, right, so sense. that was my third. And my third. And your third. So, so now we are your fourth. fourth. <laughs> Jerome Robbins. Really? Yeah. That nasty ass son yeah. of a bitch. I gotta say, he fucking he, they tearing coat the people in the blacklist. Ah, yeah, yeah, fucking Jerome Robbins. Jerome Jesus Robbins. Christ. Yeah. Well, I have someone of an equivalent to that on my list. Do so, you? I, yeah. I, let me defend Jerome. Okay, you try to defend Jerome. I'm not defending Jerome Robbins. <laughs> What I'm defending is what Jerome Robbins means. What the the sign? Yes. That Jerome Robbins is to me is the transition from strictly uh, ridiculous musical comedy to to the musical as a serious as a form to sell to tell and sell serious stories. Yeah. And he stayed. He was the one who staged them. Many people wrote them. Sondheim wrote the transition from right? from ridiculous musicals to serious stories. And to an extent, uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein really were the revolution that that took it oh, from God, yes. serious from from ridiculous musicals to the serious, serious stories. Form. Yep. And I think Jerome Robbins was was the pioneer in in. In putting them physically on stage, how they yes, would he move. definitely he definitely was a major major contributor to the development of the American musical yes. and to the use of dance in the American musical. Yes, and the fact that he named names, I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to judge him on that. He, I will. You know, back in that time, his he knew his career was in danger if he didn't. And the, his career was everything. He was a, I was a poor boy from a poor family. I, I, I can't, I can't. There were many others who were in lot worse, lower, less secure positions than him. Yes. Who didn't name names. Who I, didn't concede to the to the uh, House on Americans Activities Committee. I'm not going to try to defend him here. Okay. Yeah, that's for another time. What I what I what I want to say is that there is another part of him, and that part of him to me is meaningful. Okay. So fuck yourself. <laughs> number four for you. My number four is a person that he was a actually pretty shitty human being generally. Okay. But an excellent musician and artist, and that was Lou Reed. Really? Yep. And born in Long Island, too. He was Jewish? Born and raised in Jewish, yep. The fuck? Yeah. But he's, almost every story you ever read about him anywhere, he's a dick. Okay. He's just a 
dick to people. Okay. Oh my god! I mean, dick, 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 dick. Why is dick. that? I don't know. I like. I mean, as a musician, I love his music. I love him in you know Velvet Underground, all of his solo yeah, stuff. Yeah, I am a yeah, yeah. big, big fan of Lou Reed. Huh. Of his music. <laughs> the less I know about him and his personality, the better off oh, I yeah, am. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> so who's your number five choice? I don't, I don't know. Number five is turning out to be the hardest. Oh, was he five? I, 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 I pulled up names. I was like, who am I forgetting? And I, saw, I was like, of course. I have to put this name down. A uh, hundred times. You say that a hundred times. Of course I had to put this name. Of course I had to put this name. Of course... And who is it? And I, I, I'm not. Is it Harvey Feierstein? No, that's not for me. But it's is it for you? Is it? Is it? Is it Arthur Lawrence? Yeah, RBG, right? Of course. I, I don't know. You could you say Arthur, Arthur. I'm ready to go with Arthur Lawrence. I'm ready to go with. I'm going to go with Arthur Lawrence. You can go with Arthur Lawrence. I am. Okay, that's a good choice. I am. Nothing wrong with that. Kaufman would have been another one. Yes, Irving Kaufman. I uh, would have loved that of Kaufman and Hart. Yeah, he did a lot. Uh, yeah, I, I could go there. I could go Fanny Bryce. I could, I mean, I know, you know, it's, it's hard because the Irving Berlin, yep, there's no business line. Or what was the Americana thing he wrote? He wrote one of the great American, oh, say, can you, he wrote one of those. <laughs> but not that one. I don't think it was that one. <laughs> not uh, that one. I don't think it was, um, uh, Barry Manilow? He wrote God Bless America. God Bless America. Okay. Uh. Which is a biggie. You got God in there. Of course. Yes, you do. Come on. Matter of fact, now I'm wondering. Well, can you settle on your last one yet? How much is Irving to blame for our current state? (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, uh, Okay, so here's Bette Midler raises a Jew in Hawaii. Okay. What kind of balls did that take? Is that your final choice? Sure. Sure. Bette Midler, the Hawaiian Jew. Okay. Yeah, she was in the original West Side. She was in the original, what do I want to say, Fiddler on the Roof. She was not. She was in the original Fiddler on the Roof? She absolutely was. I didn't know that. She was Sphincter or... Sphincter? Or or one of the two younger girls. The daughter Sphincter. Yeah, Sphincter and... What was the other one? I guess they must have cut her before they played on Broadway. No, no, no. She She appeared... A sphincter appears. She's still appears. <laughs> She's one of the two. At one point, Yenta is with Golda and says, I got two boys here. You got the two girls. And Golda says, which for which? And she says, whatever. Uh, you could look it up if you wanted to. I'll, I'll look it up later. Beth Midler as sphincter. It may not have been sphincter. She may have yeah, been. I don't think the name was sphincter. Okay. You look it up and you tell me. You look it up and you tell me what you see. There were two young Can we girls. go on before Sure. We- Midnight. Okay. Is it really that late? No, it's not, but right. it feels like it. It really does. This has been forever. <laughs> my last choice. The last Jew. My five favorite Jewish Americans. Okay. Mel Brooks. Oh, good one. Had to pick Mel. Oh, God. I've loved his movies since I was a kid. The 12 Chairs, first movie. And he's so Jewish. You don't get much more Jewish than Mel, Any, you know? Anybody, anybody who could put on camera and on stage... Springtime for Hitler. Right. The man who came up with Springtime for Hitler. I mean, it would be, you know why? Because he knew that one way to get back revenge was to make people laugh at right? him. Right, exactly. To make him a joke and to put Hitler on stage and especially... And at that time, to do that in oh, a movie and, was outrageous. And, and the way, and, outrageous. And, and, That's only 20 years after World War II, yeah, basically, you know? yeah. 
And then the musical made it worse. The yeah. musical, the musical put Hitler down, sitting, singing like Judy Garland. Uh, oh, the new musical, yeah, the, the, the recent know, the, musical, yeah, yeah. Because turned, the producers, the because original, they combined the characters, and that's how they it became a gay character. Then, well, the, 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 the movie was played. The character was LSD, the hippie who played Hitler. Right, 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 right. And he was definitely straight. But I don't think Wallace Shawn played it. I don't think the music was. I don't think the, the original movie was a musical. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. But okay. they had scenes from the show. Of course, the opening number. Of course, and you know? uh, and then and then even the, at the end of the movie, they do Prisoners of Love. You know, in the jail, right? Producing a show and doing the same scam again. It, uh, yeah. Mel Brooks is a good one. I love brilliant um, filmmaker. History of the world. History of the world. That was one of his best efforts. Oh God! Come on, that's it's, awesome. It's okay. It's very. There's there's supposed to be finally a part two coming out. Really? Yeah. Oh wow! I thought he was dead. But he's maybe alive. he's making another one. He's still alive. Yeah. Uh, I I loved Blazing uh, Saddles. Uh, Blazing Saddles, of course, is a classic. Young Frankenstein, the classic monster movie parody. You he mean, was my, my boy. I read right? something about that. Cloris Leachman's birthday was yesterday, something. Oh, okay. And um, about how she always said when, when she improvised the scene about, can I get you something before you go to bed? Oval team. You know, that whole scene was <laughs> yep. improvised. And that... No, thank you! Yeah, <laughs> that he could not keep a straight face. So they had to do multiple, takes. multiple takes. Oh, my God. Until he was able to keep a straight face playing opposite Cloris Leachman. Oh, my God. That's, that's great. Yeah. That's a great story. But, but, I mean, Mel Gibson, he's just... There's so many good films. Just listening to him on talk shows is is a, is a treat because the man is a great storyteller, a great conversationalist. And him and his wife. Right? Yeah. And Bancroft, you know? What a pair. And their only movie together was, uh, what, To Be or Not To Be, which was a right. remake of the Jack Benny movie. It was not it was not okay. Not great effort, but it was okay. And she was great to tie it all back into last week. She was amazing as the mother in Torch Song Trilogy. Yes. The movie. Oh, the movie. Yes, the movie version. That was She was fantastic in that. Shattering. When they do that whole scene in the, in the cemetery. Oh, my God. Well, that scene is just, yeah. But she, she, I think she was a fantastic actress. Come on, take us home. I'm tired. Well, we're now at the end of five phase. We now move into our final segment of the show, which is the grumpy old gay men gripe of the week. The United States Supreme Court. <laughs> That's your gripe of the week? Yeah. <laughs> Susan Collins. How does Susan Collins leave home ever again? Please. How does she face the public ever again? AOC, How did those AOC already called out her and the other one from uh, Alaska. From Alaska. You know, like, you know, your bullshit, like, oh, you know, that's not what they told us. Yeah. Yeah. And I believe them. I'm sure that's not what they told you. Yeah. I, because there's video of them not saying the same yeah. thing to the entire panel. Well, what are you going to do about it? Not a goddamn thing. No, you're not going to do nothing. Nope. And it's, 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 I believe at the time, and I believe still, that it was partisan and that it was against everything that she has always said she believes in. The two of them, those those two women, I'm I'm ashamed of them. I know, it's like you you we're not buying your naivete. Exactly. It's, it's, Thank you. It's political. That's exactly cover. what it is. Yep. You expect me to believe that you did not believe that this fucking person was lying to you? Yeah. How did you get to be a senator? Yeah. How brains, did you get to be? Brains have nothing to do with getting this, the the reins of power. I'm sorry, but there's got there's got to be some le- some basic foundation level some 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 level that you don't go lower than you don't you remember dan quayle i do remember dan quayle he seems like a 
a perfectly reasonable. Seems like a road scholar compared to what some of the oh, lunatics we've got on. Marjorie Taylor Greene. Mar- that's not her name. At least Dan Quayle advice. Pence uh, don't do what they're asking to do. You know, Pence went to Quayle for advice. Yeah. Well, I'll give Quayle that much credit. You know. And Pence. And Pence as well. Although Pence, he goes back and forth between being a complete bootlicking. You know, well, they all are. They all are. I mean, come on. Look at look at McConnell saying, "Oh, Trump was this and Trump was that." But if he's the nominee, I, I'm going to support him. Take us home. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, go. Lead home. me to. Well, we now to... have my gripe of the week. I'll go. Okay. Mine's a lot more mundane than yours. All right, all right, go. The tree trimming crew that came by and woke me up this morning. Oh, those <laughs> poor people. Well, what happened? Stephen, he was getting up at six this morning because he was going into work in Manhattan this morning for his first time in a while. That's you know they they work mostly works remote. So he got up. I heard his alarm, but I went back to sleep again. and Everything. I hear him leave. He's getting a 657 train. And then about half an hour later, I hear him knocking at my door. 7.30 in the morning. Oh, no. And I have my alarm. So I, I had another hour yet. Just another hour. And I get up. Ah, oh, we're from this. And we're going to do this. And I'm like, okay. You didn't have to tell me. I don't give a fuck. This could have gone and done it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were cutting the trees on the curb line. Go ahead. You didn't have to wake me for that. That's just loud, though. But they did. And, of course, I couldn't go back to sleep after uh, that. Yeah. So that's my gripe of the week. Otherwise, uh, it, it is legitimate. When I was living in South Carolina, the bedroom it was like they were like townhouses. Okay, and we had a townhouse that started on the second floor, so it was two floors. But the, the second floor of the townhouse, which is like the third floor of the structure, yeah, was our bedroom. Okay, and one day they were re-roofing, and re-roofing. It's very loud. Yes, it is. For the room underneath the roof. Yeah, you think? That was our bedroom. Oh, my God. Yeah, so I appreciate the... Th- birds. Birds. Back to birds. <laughs> Those motherfuckers. They wake you up 5 a.m. Now, to be fair, sometimes I'm only just going to sleep. Okay. But I have worked for that sleep. <laughs> and at 5 a.m., I don't need to hear any fucking bird. It was really bad. Now there's not a tree directly like relating to okay. me in any way, right? So uh, he's at least, there's at least a remove. But birds, bird, fuck, fuck you! <laughs> the minute you see light, really, really, you gotta start. I know I fuckers know. are loud. They don't care. But and- every night before I go to bed. I close the doors to all the rooms so the light doesn't come in in the morning. We have the heavy curtains in the in the bedroom and yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like your so aunt I, Frank. all the light because I'm very sensitive to the light. It wakes me up and stuff. I had, I was taking melatonin for a while. I just stopped that about a month or so ago. So it's like, all right, I have the perfect sleeping conditions now. And then boom, 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 yeah, boom on the door. Yeah. Son of a bitch. No, you <laughs> knock on my door. You call my phone. You're leaving a message. I I don't care. I'm not answering the door. The dog will. The dog will stop barking. Yes, he will. I think even the dog stayed in bed. Yeah. <laughs> Seven. Somebody not. I had to. Uh, because I'm recently diagnosed. I just passed over from pre-diabetic to diabetic. Okay. Okay. So right away, <laughs> they got to send you to the to the counselor and to the nutritionist. Yes. Uh, so I got the appointment to the nutritionist. Okay. Probably my least favorite Jew. Okay. Because my appointment for 11.30, she herself called me at 7.30 in the morning to confirm Uh, the appointment for four hours later. You better hope I don't show up. Yeah. Because if I show up, I'm a kick in the throat, bitch. I'm an insomniac. You call me at 7.30 in the morning? No. 
Yeah. No, 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 no. So, so no. Yet, yeah. doors don't get answered. Phones don't get answered. Seven thirty. No. Unless you're coming into this house to feed me and fuck me, <laughs> it better be after two p.m. <laughs> Go ahead. I'll remember that for future reference. Bring a pizza and a fucking. Go ahead. Okay. We now come to the conclusion of this week's episode. Not soon enough. I hope you've enjoyed it, because, God, it's been a long one. I'm exhausted. God, I'm, I'm sweating. Well, we had a lot to talk about, you know? It was crazy. We have to it, shut up. I, <laughs> nobody cares. Anyway, our website, of course, is www.grumpyoldgamemanandtheirdogs.com. And how can they contact me personally? Uh, through uh, smoke signals. That's exactly right. So send your carrier pigeon today. But you can address any emails you have to me at Patrick at GrumpyOldGameAndTheirDogs.com. Doesn't that sound official and nice? Right. Like he's participating. Yes, we'll talk. Like to he matters to the organization. Talk to my producer. I told you already, he doesn't like me. <laughs> okay, I don't have an email address. Anyway, on our website, you can find... But I am recently connected to the Twitter account. Yes. Because I thought I was connected. But you weren't. But I weren't. Now I'm following the Twitter account. Okay. So what is my Twitter handle? Is it T Gibby? T Gibby, yeah. T, T, is it not T Gibby 315? I don't know. I think it's, it may just be T Gibby. T underscore Gibby. Okay. That sounds like That's the right think, amount of yeah. syllables. Okay. T underscore Gibby. Yeah, so talk to me Talk to me uh, on Twitter. Okay, yes. Because fuckers will give me a... And I'll take your nudes. <laughs> I'd be happy to see all your nudes. Yes, don't send them to grumpyoldgameandtheirdogs.com. Send them to Tommy at TGibby on Twitter. Yeah, do that. <laughs> do that. Because not only that, but if you send it to the Twitter account, you'll get more views. Because what you're doing is you're sending it to Patrick's personal email account. <laughs> and Patrick is like sister mother obnoxious. <laughs> So she's all offended, but so so nobody sees them because she just deletes them. Well, no, nobody sees them because they're not necessarily attractive, worth seeing. Yes, it's not for you to say. Oh, really? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. So if you want to send your nudes, send them to the Twitter account publicly. Go ahead. Well, as you've heard, you can follow us on Twitter. You can also follow us on Facebook. And on our website, not only can you get all of our episodes, but you can get our bonus material as well, which we supplement for all our episodes. And I think that's pretty much it. Any plans for the weekend, Tommy? Yeah, I'm going to work. Once you say supplement, yes. it's pretty much over. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you need a supplement... I think you need a supplement. You have no idea. <laughs> Anyway, lead me into my quote. Yes. On that note, we're going to say have a good night, have a good week, have a good life, and we'll see you next time. Bye, bitches. <laughs>